0: Why, hello there, dear Nerdy Show listener. Welcome to part two of our Nerdy Show Prime episode on voice acting. Brought to you by the Nerdy Show listeners Byron McIsaac and Ross Butler, who generously donated to the show because they love us very, very much.
1: We love you, too.
0: Yes. Hi, I'm Cap. Trap Force Mike. I'm Jonna. Tony. Uh, Brian. And apparently Brandon. We're going to give you a French-style kiss. In the form of this episode, don't get too excited. (laughs) Too late. This is part two of voice acting. If you want to hear part one, well, go find it on nerdyshow.com. In part one, we spoke to legendary voice actor Rob Paulson and young up-and-coming voice actor Yuri Lowenthal, author of the definitive book on voice acting. Yeah. So again, if you haven't listened to part one, you might want to go back and check that out. In this episode, we're going to be graced with the amazing talents of Vic Mignona, whose name I said right. Oh my goodness. (laughs) And Steve Bloom both of whom are very involved with anime. Steve's done a lot of crossover work. You probably know him as Spike Spiegel in Cowboy Bebop, because God knows I do. Vic Mignona is all over anime. All over it. Just all over it. Absolutely. He is the anime. Yeah. He is the anime. Te anime. This is actually we thought to talk a little bit about the history of voice acting. I mean, of course, it comes from the advent of anything that could record and
2: reproduce voice. It began in 1970 when they invented recorded sound. <laughs> When the
0: immortal Thomas Edison invented sound. (laughs) Yes. Fortunately, we froze him in an iceberg, and he hasn't been seen since.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh, now get him on the phone. The gramophone? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, radio dramas were, were where all this started. They started to take shape in the 1920s, when stage performances eventually trickled onto the radio. And then one thing led to another. They started getting popular. They got more and more complex. They started using sound effects and musical cues. And by 1923, there would become like regular series broadcasts of shows, like in mass all across America, because the world was you know a much smaller place. A lot of these things were pretty localized. They could get syndication eventually, I believe. I haven't exactly read a book on this. I've, I've researched it though. It's all you know pretty cool. We in, in a lot of ways we treat D and D like like a radio drama. Obviously, it's an improvisational radio drama. There's no scripts except for whatever rule has planned out. Radio dramas, they have been prevalent in America for a long time, but uh, with podcasts, they're coming back to a certain extent. They've been popular in England for a long
3: while, as Mike well knows, mm-hmm. because the 8th Doctor didn't... Exi- yeah, he uh, only really exists in one live-action appearance, and the rest are radio dramas. Yeah. So.
0: Which is, I mean, that's saying something. Uh, uh, the Brits love radio dramas. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy started as a radio drama. Kind of crazy, really. Like, the first book was adapted from the first four radio episodes. It started airing in 78, and the book was published in 79.
4: That's insane!
0: Yeah. Or improbable, as the drive might indicate. <laughs> it's this kind of medium where it's like, it's more amorphous. It, it has the opportunity to be more creative when all you're using is your voices, some sound effects, and some imagination. There's a lot of potential there. So, before animation was more than a novelty, before there was something so people could, like, easily craft together something new and unique, there was the radio drama and there was voice acting and you know, it wasn't voice acting then, but it was it was acting without any stage presence, using only your voice to convey an idea. And that's where a lot of the most creative stuff has come from. In fact, you know, where would modern science fiction be without the Twilight Zone? World All world... the
2: cool Superman stuff came from the radio
3: show. That's true it's also, true. yeah. Like or, yeah. or Luthor, yeah.
0: Yep. And, and the reason I brought up the Twilight Zone is because Twilight Zone was directly influenced by early radio dramas. There's a show called Lights Out by Willis Cooper, aired from 1934 through 1947, and it's considered the first radio drama to fully utilize the medium of radio to create something more than a broadcast of a play. Precursor to the Twilight Zone, like, totally. It's got this whole, like, spooky intro of, like, you know, lights out! Like, uh, I'll I'll play a clip. <laughs>
5: lights out, everybody.
6: It is later than you think. This is Arch Obler. Someone has said that the two main springs which drive the world are hunger and the will to power. I think we'll all agree about the hunger, but as to the will to power, well, sometimes I think it's not quite as strenuous as that. There are some people in this world who don't want to run anything. They just want to be liked. And that's the mainspring of our story tonight Oxychloride X. And it, you know,
0: it was designed to be aired in the middle of the night. Horror stories, supernatural stories, crime stories, and is really well known for, for what at the time were gross-out sound effects, a lot like what we're going to hear Steve Bloom do later <laughs> in the episode.
2: God uh, bless that man. You'll know it when you hear it.
0: <laughs> and you'll get a massive erection just like Mike did, probably. Uh, I'll show you the picture. And, uh. and, and And what's really cool about this show is uh, among its innovations, and if you can believe this, were multiple first-person narrators, stream of consciousness monologues. So like any like thing where like the guy's you know talking in his own head, and other voices come in. Completely unique to the show, they totally invented it. They hadn't existed before. It's amazing. That sort of like psychological concept is the basis for most good science fiction shows to begin with. Any sh- any show that does anything creative, it you know, probably stems from some kind of idea pertaining to that. And they they use it oftentimes to have a duplicitous character's internal monologue, you know, come alive and let people know. There's a bunch of clips online actually. It's definitely worth checking out. I'm gonna play some clips now from one of their episodes called Oxychloride X, which is about a solvent the most perfect solvent ever made. It can dissolve anything. And uh, Wait, what do you put it in? <laughs> that's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing. He makes it, and only after it smashes on the floor does it actually start causing problems. But by the end of the episode, it is on the verge of eating the entire world. <laughs> <laughs> it just means that it was neutralized by glass. I just gotta get that beaker back.
6: I, yeah. <laughs> Sleep. It's so late. Sleep. Sleep. We you think you're a crackpot. Oh, I kind stop thinking about these things. Crackpot. Not gonna pledge. Crackpot. What's the matter with my head? I've been talking in it over and over and over again. Crackpot. I'm not not crazy. I'm not. I'm as good as you are. I'm as good as both you put together. Stop saying that. Stop saying it. I'll show you. I'll show you both. I'm better than you are. I'm better than anybody. I'll show you... show you. I'll give you miracles. The lab. <laughs> got to get into it. Window. I'll show you. Who's there? Who's there, I say? Watchman. You don't have to get so excited. I, I'm a student. Student, eh? Broke a window now, did you? Huh? I didn't break the window. But I heard the glass. So did I, and I followed the man in here. Man, what are you talking about? Give me your flashlight and I'll show you. All right. Here. Look behind you. You no one will stop me. No one. Miracle. I've got to make one. Got to. Got to. What is it? A solvent. A solvent more powerful than anything the world has ever known. A solvent that will dissolve steel faster than a razor cutting through paper. Uh, you you crazy boy, you. Listen to it sing. Why? Uh, yeah. oh, the beaker. It cracked. Well, do something. That liquid's flying all over my bench. It's eating through the stone. Oh, stop it. It's eating through the slate of the floor. The hole's getting bigger and bigger. Run! Run! Oh, I've done it. I've created something no other man has done. A solvent that dissolves anything. Anything. Anything! The hole which began at the side of the chemical laboratory building is now 300 feet in diameter and spreading with unbelievable rapidity. It's affected the rotation of the earth. Unbalanced things. Yes, and it's biting deeper every minute. What will happen when it eats through to the other side? The ocean pouring through. We'll die. We'll all die. Who's to blame? 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 It's that kid who's to blame. Yeah, we read it in the papers. The crazy uh, college kid. There. There he is. Yes, that's him. That's
7: yes. him. Yeah, no, no,
6: let me go. You fools, you. I've done a great thing, a wonderful thing. Created something no one ever thought of. You can't blame me for a miracle. Throwing in the hole. No. throwing in no. the hole. He made it. Roman. No, don't throw yeah, me down yeah, in here. There's Roman. no bottom to it. No, no.
0: It's a little loose but you can see you can see the makings of something brilliant. After that uh, there was Orson Welles War of the Worlds like hugely hugely influential and then there is uh Rod Sterling actually had a show between 1973 and 74 called Zero Hour no relation to the mid-90s DC event. And comedy also in, in Great Britain there's been lots of comedy shows on the air like the Goon Show. And lots of like skit comedy there. In fact, Fly the Concords was a radio show first.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, it was.
0: There was even a lot of that over
4: here in the States as well. What with the Jack Benny program, George Burns, Gracie Allen. I Like Me Some Prairie Home Companion.
0: Still going today, <laughs> Garrison Keeler and his group. Yeah. Have you ever seen that live?
4: No, I haven't. I've been
0: wanting to It's an experience. I I, no I had idea. the chance to see it live and there was a they have got this Foley artist. I'm pretty sure there's one guy doing the Foley work for the entire time unless he had like you know sick days or whatever. And he's just up on stage doing all his like, you know, using his throat like the motherfucker from uh police academy and like there's also other foley stuff going on. So some, something I also want to talk about is, is you know, foley artists, guys who make sound effects. It's not voice acting work, but it's equally important. It's really hard. Without it. It takes you... just as much talent. Without it, there is no world for these characters to exist in. It's just a
4: void with a lot of voices that float around and talk to each other. Yeah, And Foley is prevalent throughout the entire voice acting world. Every, think of a Pixar movie with all the different ambient sound effects and whatnot. That's a sound that is a Foley artist going out and just collecting those sounds to be used in in the movie. Otherwise, you'd have a completely mute world with voices that pop up.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, working on d and I've been, you know, integrating sound effects, as everyone I'm sure is well aware, and, and it's, it's been tough to find the right balance. It's really interesting. You get to, you sort of create a virtual space when you're doing it. Something I saw once with Foley Art that I think really begs to be mentioned here, because it is very, very nerdy, maybe too, maybe too nerdy. Uh, it's a film called Brand Upon the Brain. It's uh, r- written and directed by a guy called Guy Madden, who does a lot of experimental films. It's done in 2006. It's a black and white silent film. It actually toured in uh, strange theaters across the world, and the way it was actually performed was they had a narrator come on uh, like a, a balcony situation. It would be a different narrator every night. When I saw it, it was Crispin Glover. Before that, it was Lou Reed and Laurie Anderson. Lots of cool people. And then they had an orchestra pit, full orchestra doing the score live, and a whole foley crew doing stuff. And you could see them doing all their work. They had a bin full of water with these like met- these wooden planks in it. They'd smack them around. And uh, they'd like tear up heads of lettuce and all this stuff. They'd shatter plates. It was it was incredible. And they do all kinds of weird things to get interesting sounds, blowing bubbles into water. Actually have a story of
4: weird things getting cool sounds. There was a scene at Titan A E this if anybody remembers that Don Booth movie.
2: Yeah. Really really. The cool three movie. people who saw it.
4: Yeah, I like it. All of us in the all of us in this room though. <laughs> the ice asteroids crashing together were achieved by a guy taking a metal pole out to freshly fallen snow in his front yard, putting a mic to it, and then just sinking it in. They slowed that sound down, and that's what gave that sound of these
0: huge, colossal ice asteroids crashing into one another. That's cool. It is. Yeah. Brain Upon the Brain, I, I just want to mention a story real quick because I do want you guys to check this out. It's kind of a young scientist adventure story in a lot of ways. It's, it's got this kind of like pulp novel feel about... These kids who grow up in this orphanage on an island with a lighthouse, and their their father's a mad scientist. This, these two twins, this boy and this girl, who are who are known from these like young children's adventure novels, come to the island, and there's this weird kind of gender swapping, like confusing romance between some of the kids. It's really strange and has this great kind of abstract, like old school science fiction feel to it. There's it, it's it weirdly reminds me of the Venture Brothers a lot. <laughs> if that makes any kind of sense, but much earlier. I don't know. Mike's shaking his head. Just check it out. Uh, the, the
3: DVD. <laughs> what actually, the fuck are you talking about? I don't know. Does it sound interesting at all? Yeah, all right, it does. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, <laughs> the, the DVD actually lets you choose your narrator and lets you see the foley work. So it's a Criterion DVD. Definitely uh, give that a look if you get the chance. Something that begs for us to be talked about, and we could, and and probably will fill a whole episode with it someday, is the difference between anime voice acting and American voice acting. Uh, recently, a really cool dude named Noah Mattson donated to us, and with that, asked a question. He wanted us to discuss exactly why 99.9% of all Japanese translations are done so half-assed and lazily. He says, it drives me out of my mind whenever I'm playing a video game or watching Japanese animation, for that matter, you know, when it's poorly done. Now, that's his opinion. What are you guys' opinion on this? I mean, Brandon, you have a very strong opinion.
3: I know that. I do. What? I, like, he thinks it's... All crap. It's all done half assed. Yeah, what it's... is he like Japanese or something? And knows the difference? I don't know
0: with Noah. The name Noah Matson. I guess he's not Japanese. Oh Jesus!
3: You have to ask the American companies that do it. it.
4: A lot of it goes back to when it was first coming over. There was no real way of dis- distributing it, so there were these small local companies that didn't have a budget. So you've got these folks who kind of speak Japanese who were redoing
3: the dialogue to fit. And they had like a skeleton crew, and yeah. so they didn't have like a like you know, bug testers or editors. Or... All I'm going to say is silent
0: mean, hill. Radio. Yeah. What's going on with that radio? Cheryl? Oh, and but... let's not forget Resident
1: Evil 1. Right.
8: Stop it. Don't open that door. I mean, do
1: they not know what they sound like when they're saying it in a booth? Well, they
3: got one no. take? I mean, this isn't actually
1: about the voice actors. It's about the translators.
8: The actual, uh, like, the you, scripts.
4: Again, you go back to stuff the, like Speed Racer. The guy who voiced Speed Racer also did all of the voice direction and translated it and did the scripting. You've got,
1: that's You've got the
0: shoestring, you got it is, but it's
1: also I'm going to win this, this can stop me, I'm going to stop everyone, I'm going to But
0: I mean, I, I'm actually just going gonna to disagree with you, Noah, uh, just a little
3: bit, because I, you know, I think... I think we've come a long way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I it definitely. started out, like, I don't know how old you are, Noah, but... I'm pushing 30 here, and so it's, it used to be rough, and it's, like, I pick up you a You were lucky
2: if they even spoke English at all.
3: Yeah. <laughs> now we get, like, these dubs or these translations, and it's 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 localized, it's done well, I don't have to know about some Japanese flower festival going into it, like, just. <laughs> just you yeah. still run into it, the
4: issues of having to mouth, match the mouth flaps, because. Yeah. There are words in in Japan... They've got it down
3: to a science, though, I feel. By and large. For some
4: of these smaller animes, you'll have a rant that takes 10-15 minutes of the Japanese dialogue that we can just say, No, I don't want to do that. You're Um, ugly. So, (laughs) you're dealing with
0: all this excess... Just cut to a potted plant in the corner. (laughs) (laughs) And and make that, like, sword noise. Yeah. Which (laughs) will stick in right here. Yeah. You know, like uh,
3: Garth Marenghi style. Just show the potted plant in the corner. <laughs> Have a bit of dialogue. I mean, just uh, mouth flaps.
4: Fuck them. I mean, that's, that's pretty much where the biggest difference lies. When, when you're dealing with a Western animation, the animators are working to a voice actor's performance. You've got, say, Ron Paulson goes into a room, he lays the track down, and then the animators will watch as he performs, animate to him, incorporate some of his yeah. gestures. With an anime voice actor, and they just, some of our guests talk about this. They're having to match what's already been recorded. They're having to match the tone of a scene. They're having to match the lip flaps
1: and the timing of it. That's true. They're they're like they're given a sentence. Like okay, when you say this sentence, it'll only it'll only take you five seconds to say it, but the mouth that's moving is moving for fifteen seconds. <laughs> so you better take that five second line and make it work. That's where like
0: I see so so often in animes, uh, sentences will end in right. Like
9: yeah, it, and like, I think it's because they're that using void. fillers, yeah. yeah it's, and there's it's,
0: it's, and there's some kind of there's some kind of linguistical inflection for the uh,
1: and it just takes longer. The, to the say Japanese, Japanese.
0: Yeah.
9: So. If anything, it's all better than you should expect it to be with the limitations they have to work with.
4: Yeah, I mean, we're not just commu- we're not just translating the words because if you translate a Japanese sentence and try and diagram it, doesn't it, it doesn't
0: make ships worth of sense. So we're having to interpret more than just translate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I think the you know the, vo- the voice talent is really great these days. I mean, there's a reason that they redubbed Akira. Like, I mean, there is. I like
1: the original one.
0: There's a reason. That <laughs> it's
1: so
9: awesome. It's hilarious.
0: There's a reason that they redubbed Totoro. It's better now. <laughs> it's just it is. Even with celebrities, it's better. Let's talk to someone who is anime voice acting. He defines the anime voice actor. He's all over the scene. This is Vic Mignona. So taking us out, this is a little track about foley work. This is a, a song called My Brother Makes the Noises for the Talkies by the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band. It's a band we've I've mentioned in the past. They're an amazing comedic band from England, and one of their members is considered the sixth Monty Python. He played the minstrel in Holy Grail. Neil Ennis. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he wrote all those songs, and he had a band, so you may want you may want to check this band out. This is actually an extremely early track. It was never on any album. It was it was released as a single, and it doesn't sound anything like their later work at all. They actually sound a little bit more like rock musicians, and you'll notice, well, if I didn't tell you it wasn't from the 1930s or 20s, you would probably think it was the, from the 30s or 20s. And it's based on early British novelty music, and it's about Foley work. So enjoy. But <laughs>
10: What's all that noise about? Why, don't you know that's only my brother is practising.
7: Mm.
10: My brother makes the noises for the talking. There's not a single noise that he can't do. If you've forgotten what a parrot's talking, I'll run and illustrate that noise for you. He does the steam escaping from liners leaving dock. He'll fake a razor scraping or else a cork knock. My brother makes the noises for the talking. There's not a single noise that he can't contou- do. This is what I hear when I'm in bed. A bang, a rat, like thunder overhead. Then cats, and meow, and dogs, wow. The only sleep I'll get is when I'm dead. A shot goes crack, a gale starts blowing. A dog goes crack, a cock starts crowing. Oh, you may think I'm kidding you, yet what I say is true. Just listen, I'll explain to you My My brother makes the noises for the talking There's not a single noise that he can't do I'm really not quite certain what a stalk is But if it makes a noise, then Rob does too He makes the noise that steers make when cowboys make a scoop He makes the noise that beards make when useful straining My brother makes the noises for the talking There's not a single noise that he can't do My brother can make any noise you wish Like two sea lions shouting out for fish A horse's neck, a donkey's play He's even got a noise for Lillian Gish The only time he made a bump Was when a tiger in the jungle With a mighty roar dropped dead With bullets in his head And rod moved like a cow instead My brother makes the noises for the talkies. There's not a single noise that he can't do You know exactly what the popping cork is Well, Rod can pop a pretty cork for you He'll imitate a setter, a fashion or a grouse But what is even better is his noise for making us Hey, Pluto! My brother makes the noises for the talkies. There's not a single noise that he can't do
11: What you just heard was Full Metal Alchemist Brothers Violin Instrumental by Violent Tay. That is a song from Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood in the original Full Metal
4: Alchemist series. Fantastic anime series with some great voice acting by somebody who you might know. Somebody we happen to have on the show with us tonight. That gentleman. It is Vic Mignona.
3: Yes.
0: Tony and I had a little private chat with him in a dark closet.
4: It was very close. Very,
0: very close. Yes. Ooh. Shirts were removed. Fifty minutes in heaven.
7: Oh.
4: But now uh, it was a great interview. Vic had a lot of great insights into the voice acting world and some weird stuff about a summer camp he might be running. Yeah. So let's let's go to that. Let's let's play. Sounded even
11: creepier.
3: <laughs> was he the murderer at the summer camp?
4: <laughs> Hi, this is Cap. And this is Tony from the Nerdy Show. We're speaking tonight with Vic... Mignola? Mignona. Mignola? <laughs> uh, Mignola? Mike Mignola. Mike Mignola. Vic Mignona.
0: Mignona.
12: Yes. Actually, okay. it's pronounced McDerpa Derp.
0: <laughs> okay.
12: Everybody knows that.
0: <laughs> I actually did see that on the forums. I thought that was just one guy said, How the hell do you say Vic McDerpa Derp's name? And I was like, Oh, that's not very nice. But I guess it's a thing, huh? <laughs> well,
12: somebody, somebody, we. I was attending a convention with Lil Karibo and. He asked me if he could make a little video and if I would if I would record my part and they would do a little animation to it and so, they did and and it was pretty much kind of a, a little parody on him calling me you know all these different variations of <laughs> my last name not being able to pronounce it and some of the more memorable of course that really stuck with the fans McDerpa Derp was the other oh Yuri Lowenthal of course <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, Vic. Your voice roles are predominantly for anime. My first question for you is uh, what are the differences between dubbing for anime and r- recording voice work for original programming?
12: Well, the truth is, you guys, dubbing anime is a lot harder than doing pre- what we call prelay for original animation. Because with anime, you've got to match existing finished animation. You've got to sync you know, your performance with the mouth flaps and mouth movements of of the characters, but at the same time, you've got to make it sound natural and believable and, you know, and give a good performance, which is infinitely more difficult than freedom and the flexibility that you have in doing an animated character that we're in a situation where you record the voice first. A lot of anime voice actors dream of opportunities to do prelay. I've done some Video game work where it was all prelay, and it is so much fun, guys, to just be able to (laughs) perform the, the lines the way you would want to knowing that somebody else is going to animate to your performance.
0: With the, with the dubbing process, I was wondering how much room for improv there is. I know there's some shows that, like, go way off the wagon with what was originally there, and there's a lot of opportunities for them to just come up with lines that fit the mouth work. But also, with the dubbing, it's so reliant on creating a sentence that actually fits in the mouth movements. I, I was just wondering, how much, how much room is there for you to actually, like, get creative with that?
12: There's always room for that. If the director is any good, they'll allow their actors the opportunity to bring ideas to the table the the only caveat is that with anime in many situations you are telling the story that is based on the original the original japanese script so in many cases you you know you can't stray too far from from the original script and the original story but then in situations like you mentioned where there are some anime series that are just out there you know they're wacky and they're they're completely different than the original japanese version was in those kind of situations you have a lot more latitude to come up with funny ideas and bring some of your own improv creativity to the table and of course it has to always fit within the mouth flaps of the character so
0: set the stage for me what's the experience like in a recording booth for dubbing I assume you've got a screen where you're attempting frantically to fit all your words in the character's mouth (laughs)
12: movements. exactly very simply you go into the studio and you go into the booth and the engineer will adjust the microphone to the position for your your mouth and then you'll put your headphones on you're in a little a little booth a padded booth and you'll put your headphones on and a monitor in some studios they'll have the script actually on a monitor taking a feed off of the directors monitor and it's basically a word document and uh, and then in some studios they'll have a you know actual printed paper scripts and you've got a TV uh, monitor in front of you and on your headphones you can hear your microphone and you can hear the the pre-recorded Japanese tracks in some cases the tracks are separated into mix effects tracks and dialogue tracks so sometimes they'll play you a preview and you can hear the Japanese performance and then they'll mute the Japanese dialogue but you'll still be able to hear the ambient sound effects and the music and things that you know actually really help the the, the the emotion of the scene come alive as an actor. You, yeah. I love drawing those things, but you know you've got the script, and they'll they'll say, okay, let's look at your first line. You'll watch a preview of it, and you'll hear little beeps to give you a, a countdown to when you start talking, and then you you lay down the line. and If it doesn't work, sometimes you know the person who wrote the script maybe they talk slower than you, or maybe they talk faster than you. So, when you get in there as the actor, let's say, for instance, if I'm recording Edward Elric, somebody wrote the script for Ed, but they may not talk as fast as I do, or maybe they wrote too many words. And so we may have to make some small changes from time to time. And then as you get better at it, you actually, uh, some voice actors can actually, you know, record two and three and four cues at a time it's really fun if you get to do that because it, it actually feels like you're doing a, you're actually acting a scene
4: obviously infinitely more fun than just yelling at the padded walls that I'm sure are there to keep you from hurting <laughs> yourself when you eventually just get frustrated and start throwing yourself <laughs> at things
12: well you know what that would be a dual purpose then for the padded wall because you know the the uh, the principal reason is is to keep the the sound dead so it's not bouncing off the walls and you sound like you're recording in a room somewhere but your idea to keep the actors from going nuts and hitting their heads against the wall that's that's a good reason to have them padded too
0: where does inspiration for your voices come from i was wondering how much of it is taken from say the original japanese voice work and then your own inspiration like do you spend a lot of time observing the way people speak
12: i don't know if i would call it inspiration as much as just instinct sometimes some japanese companies that own certain shows are very particular about the characters sounding just like the japanese actors Hmm. they want the english actors to sound as much like the Japanese actors as possible. In fact, you'll even find some English dubs out there that are horrid, because the actors aren't any good. (laughs) (laughs) But they just happen to have a voice that sounded like the original Japanese actor. I've seen this happen many times. A person can audition, and they'll read a couple of lines, and their voice may have a very similar pitch and timbre as the Japanese actor. And so they get cast, and they're not good actors. They're not strong actors. So when you get into the meat of the show, and you're trying to create these characters, they just, you know what I mean? They, They aren't as strong as somebody else would have been in that role. So sometimes the producers want them to sound like the Japanese, and then there are other times where they don't, once again, in the case of Edward Elric, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but in the original Japanese, a girl played Ed, mm-hmm. a girl named Romy Park, and she was amazing. But when I went into audition for Full Metal years ago, and the director said, I want you to read for this little this kid Ed, and I listened to the Japanese, and I'm like, well, I sure can't do that. And, uh, <laughs> I'm not a girl, I can't do that. And I got selected to play Ed, and I remember when we first started recording, the directors told me that the Japanese specifically, Anaplex specifically, wanted Edward in English to be more masculine. They wanted him to sound more male so than he did in Japanese. So that actually worked in my favor, Hooray. of course, in, in that situation. So there are a bunch of different varieties, and and then there there's a third scenario where there really isn't any expectation. The director completely has his pick of the litter, so to speak. He'll bring in five or six or 10 or 15 different actors to read for a role, and the actors could take that role in any number of different directions, and then it's up to the director to decide what he likes. I
4: actually had just kind of an aside question. Obviously, you were the voice of Ed Elric in both the original Full Metal Alchemist series and also this new Brotherhood. How was it coming back to that role?
12: It was terrifying at first, because the original series came out so good. Everybody loved the original series, and everybody that was a part of it did such a great job that and and we didn't expect that we would have to ever do it again. When we finished the you know finished the show and and the game was over, mm-hmm. you know we felt like we'd really done a great job and we weren't going to have to do it again. But then when we found out that there was another one coming, you can imagine suddenly we're like, oh no, and what if it's not as good? What if the writing isn't as good? What if the characters aren't as strong? What if all the elements just don't come together again the way they did the first time? to make a good series. And so when I first started, I was I was a little scared and worried, but it didn't take very long before we all just kind of fell back in love with the magic that is Fullmetal Alchemist. Very shortly into the into the recording, I just got all excited about it and I got especially excited to see Ed meet new characters and go on new adventures and go to new places. It was an incredible experience. I'm I was doubly sad to see Brotherhood end. Uh, I know there's a movie coming out. I don't know exactly when we'll record it, but I know it's coming. And then Very I assume cool. Full Metal Alchemist will be over.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps. This is all about creating stuff from the old, so maybe they will just alchemize the two into something new.
12: Well, and if you guys, I don't know if you've seen the ending
4: of Brotherhood. I have. It was it was quite the tearjerker. It's a great yes, series. Yes, it was,
12: wasn't it? And not only that, but the way that it ended you know wouldn't it be interesting if there was like you know son of metal alchemist or you know some kind (laughs) of you know so and so somebody carries on the, the legacy kind of thing i don't know you never know because when it comes to popular things if we've learned anything from entertainment we've you know we've learned that studios and hollywood and entertainment production companies around the world can suck an idea dry. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Trying to wring every last dollar out of it. So, you know, we all said when the first full metal ended, as as sad as we were that it was over, we all agreed that we would rather it end strong and powerful with people wanting more than for it to just kind of, you know, dribble out and turn into some dorky, zany, thing where they were people were just cranking out episodes to make more money so and i'm very very pleased with how brotherhood ended
4: oh absolutely you've played a number of characters over your career are there which of them do you feel is like the closest to your personality or you feel most reflects the way that you are how much of you went into that particular your whatever character
12: there are a few that come to mind if i had to pick one i would love to think that tamaki Suo from or high school <laughs> could be you know would be one one of my favorites you know he's got a romantic side and a smooth side but then he's got a wacky you know insecure you know nutball side and he plays the piano and he's intelligent and um, funny and I mean I'd like to think again I'm picking best case scenario here (laughs) I would love I would love to think that that he's a lot like me, or that I'm a lot like him, but then you know other characters come to mind. There was a character in a show that I did many years ago called Princess Nine. Great, great show about a girl's baseball team, and the character that I played in that in that show, uh, Hiroki Takasugi was the the big star baseball player on the boys' baseball team, and he was in love with the the uh, the girl superstar of the girls' team, and I loved that character. Those two have a lot of different elements that i think i would like to think are similar to me
0: vic what's the weirdest thing you've been asked by say a convention goer or just a rabid fan to say as a character
12: you know there's the classic ones that i've been asked a hundred times to you know girls ask me to ask them out on a date in Dark Mousy's voice from Dean Angel, or <laughs> ask them out as Edward Elric, or to ask them out as Tamaki, or you know, I mean, and it's you know, it's all you know it, that you get those kind of requests a great deal. Yeah, and I mean, I'm happy to do them. That's just part of you know, that's part of what I do, and mm-hmm. so you get those. But then you know, there's some strange ones. I I made the mistake of of saying a couple of things in the past ask certain characters that I did never think anything about at the time and then they kind of caught on like like a tumor oh god <laughs> and, and, and fans started asking me to say that all the time and then they started asking other voice actors to say these lines and I felt like I don't know I felt like you know all these other voice actors just wanted to kill me <laughs> somehow somehow it was my fault that that the fans just you know grabbed a hold of some of these lines and didn't want to let them go, and so even now I have not. There is one line in particular that shall not be spoken. Okay, that, okay. fair enough. That that I I vowed I would not say this line again, and I have not said this line in probably two years, and still, I get fans at conventions that ask me to say it, and i have to stand in front of a thousand people at A Q&A session and say i love you guys and you know what lengths i i go to to make you happy and you know to do what you ask me to do but i am not going to bend <laughs> to this peer pressure i'm not gonna do it and i <laughs> so i have to resist you know saying that line because i promised that i wouldn't but i mean there you know there are a lot of kids that ask me to say say something to their friends or uh sing a particular song in a character's voice and uh i don't know sometimes i feel like you know certain characters you know would not do certain things or would not say certain things and so i i try my best to 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 draw a line somewhere <laughs> but i get so torn because i want so much you know to please the fans i want so much for them to know how much i appreciate them and that the lengths that i go to to try to uh To make sure that they have a good time when they come to conventions or if they write me an email to make sure and write them back and let them know how much I appreciate them.
0: You've got a series of videos you made with Steve Bloom called Real Fans of Genius, a parody of uh, <laughs> Real Men of Genius, the Budweiser commercials, and these are all based on the, the kind of quintessential convention-goers. Yes. They're yes. they're fucking great. Um,
12: Real Fans of Genius! <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, we had so much fun doing this. And you know, every time I see Steve, we say, we're gonna make another one, we gotta make another one, we gotta make another one. And then we both just get so busy that we don't you know we've got several really funny ones that are based on the kind of people that you would see at a at an anime convention and i think one we want to do is like sweaty gamer guy (laughs) sweaty sweaty video sweaty sweaty video game room guy i think i guess all i can say is that if we get inspired and we have the time we'll make more because i mean it's not hard to crank them out. We just need to find the time and we need to find a, a subject matter that we get a kick out of.
4: <laughs> I can live with that kind of promise. Yeah.
0: We're, <laughs> I'm going to uh, play a clip, uh, one of one of them right now. It's uh, Yaoi Fangirl.
12: Oh, Yaoi Fangirl. Oh, my
5: gosh, yes. Resemble Rangers present Real Fans of Genius.
7: Real Fans of Genius.
5: Today, we salute you, Miss Yaoi Obsessed Fangirl.
7: Miss Yaoi Obsessed Fangirl!
5: You see one guy, you think it's cute, but two guys all over each other with wind blowing through their hair. Now that's sexy.
7: Where is that wind coming from?
5: fan Fanfix, you've got it all. But it's never enough, and no clothing ensemble is complete without a giant wooden paddle.
7: Someone's been a non
5: no manga writer would have ever imagined the kind of kinky activities you've come up with for the characters they created. Yeah! So take a bow and a riddlin', oh, crazed babe of the bishis, we take our hats off to you. But only our hats.
7: Missy, how we obsessed fan girl?
5: This tribute brought to you by the Risenbull Rangers. Embrace your inner otaku.
0: Vic, I was wondering if you could tell me... A little bit about Rizimble, uh, the Risenball rangers
5: rangers
9: yeah
12: Rizimble rangers yeah that's my online fan club they are in a word the most awesomest group on the planet earth okay um, a couple of girls contacted me about five years ago and asked me if they could start a uh, a club for me and i'm like you're kidding really i mean it, <laughs> i was really kind of really blown away and humbled and surprised by it i'm like wow, sure, knock yourselves out. I would be honored. And so they started this Yahoo group. And the funny thing was that the girl that started it had attempted to start like four or five other voice actor fan clubs, and all of the other ones failed. They just kind of did never go anywhere and kind of died you know, and disappeared. She contacted me, and we came up with the name Risenbool Rangers because Risenbool is the little hometown where Ed and and Alphonse Elric come from. We called them the Rangers and and started a website, and that was like five years ago, and today we literally have 14,000 members worldwide. Wow, man. All these different countries. (laughs) You know, we have this awesome website with a store and forums and chat rooms and art galleries. We have Ranger get-togethers at conventions, and uh, dinners, and uh, we've had people meet and make lifelong friends in the Rangers. We've had people meet and get married from meeting in the Rangers. It's just become <laughs> the most amazing group. And for kids to, you know, to find a place online where they can instantaneously have 12,000 family members who love all the things that they love, it's pretty awesome. It, it's really a special place. And we have 10 or 15 officers. Who moderate the chat room, so that I can guarantee to the parents of younger kids that they're going to uh, that they're they they do not have to worry about their kids being exposed to profanity or inappropriate topics. I uh, make sure you know I make sure that we have people moderating the rooms.
0: Wow, it's quite the operation. Yeah, it's really
12: turned out to be like I said something that I would have never imagined in my wildest dreams. I mean, we even. We even have, I mean, we have a lot of amazing people in the Rangers and a lot of fun things that happen. In fact, this year, we've been trying to organize for next year a Ranger camp that would literally (laughs) be like a three or four day, like a three day or four day camp experience, almost like a YMCA camp where you would literally, you know, as many Rangers as, you know, we would have a limit, but they could sign up and we would all get together and, and play games and have teams and sports and And, you know, hang out together and just have a blast out in the woods, you know, like a like a YMCA camp.
0: Dang. Is there is there any other voice actor in the entire world that has an operation like this going on?
12: How do I answer that question? I mean, I mean, if I'm honest, no. (laughs) Well, (laughs) yeah, uh, it sounds kind of it sounds funny for me to say that you know it sounds weird for me to say that but no it's absolutely no there there is nothing like this i don't think anywhere else and it's and like i tell everybody you know it's not about me it's you know i may be the entry point you know it may be that people that that like my work join because they're fans of my work but that's only the way they come into it once they get into it they they like i said meet lots of new friends and and have lots of great experiences, and uh, have people they can hang out with at conventions, and they talk in the chat rooms, and and share their 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 hobbies and their fears and their interests, and it's just a great great group of people.
0: That's very very cool. We've got a question from our forums. A guy named Didi Neuro asked, "How did you make up all the lyrics for the English dub openings for One Piece, which he says were pointlessly good?" <laughs>
12: Well, you know what? The truth is that I didn't write the lyrics to One Piece. I take that back. Hold on a minute. Okay. I, I didn't Here's write lyric adaptations for the songs I sang. Okay. I've sung three One Piece lyrics, but I didn't make up the lyric. I didn't write those adaptations. Someone else at Funimation did. However, there are plenty of other adaptations that I've written, like for Oran High School and I did do one for one piece and dragon ball gt so I've I've done I've written several the interesting thing about writing english lyric adaptations to japanese songs is it takes the japanese in their language it takes the japanese like twice as many words to say what we say in english so when you listen to a line of a song from a one piece theme for instance you listen to that and you know, it's like da 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 and it's that long and the translation is, you know, don't try to stop me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not kidding. So now you have to now you have to write an adaptation that captures and main and, and preserves the essence of the Japanese lyric. But you've got to add all kinds of stuff to get it to fit the melody. <laughs> no so small it's, feat. So it's not, it's not an easy task Yeah. Of times. I mean, you could throw in a lot of pointless articles and prepositions and words that, you know, just this and really, really that. But, I mean, that's not really good writing. So to write something that sounds like it belongs in the song and it's not just a bunch of pointless filler is is a bit of a challenge
0: I would imagine so I would have it's <laughs> a lot of space to fill <laughs> he also asks what do you do to get into character
12: honestly it really comes down to you know you take a you just take a minute to uh, kind of quiet your mind in the booth you, you look over the, the look over the script and look at the character's face and his movements on screen and if you've done the character enough, you can jump into the character pretty quickly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like for instance, you know, I, I mean I've played certain characters so long that it doesn't take long, it doesn't take any time at all for me to hop right into that character. But sometimes if there's a character that you haven't done very much or you did it once a long time ago and you've done 50 shows since then, then a lot of times they'll they'll play you a reference line that you recorded years ago to give you you know, to kind of bring back into your memory what you did with the character, what he sounded like, uh, and help you get back into character. And they do that sometimes anyway. They'll play you a little, they'll play you a line or two from the character so you can like, ah, you kind of dial him back in mentally. You're like, ah, okay, this guy, yeah, I remember this guy.
0: I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your live action roles, which you've been having kind of a, an increase in number of lately. Beginning with Nuka Break. <laughs> A little piece written by our very own Brian Clevenger. You play a spastic trader. It looked like he was extremely fun to work on that project. I was wondering uh, what the experience was like for you.
12: Well, I absolutely adored it. The guys that the guys that did Nuka Break. My girl Michelle did a film here in Hollywood, and she she acted alongside a guy who was part of a group of of young young kids that had just graduated from film school and they're out here in LA and they're hungry and they're creative and they're brilliant and they're funny and they're talented they contacted her and and me and asked us if you know if if we would like to be in this thing and I got so excited because I I love doing on-camera stuff. I just, I don't get many opportunities, mostly because I spend so much time doing the, the other things that I get paid for that <laughs> I don't have, I don't have the chance to really pursue a lot of live action. But I had, we had a great time doing the Nuka Break thing, plenty of others. I love doing the live action stuff. In fact, there's another thing on the same, the same group of guys did. It's a commercial, it was a mock commercial that was so much fun to work on. I played this kind of uh, wacky professor who comes up with this brilliant idea and he types it into his cell phone and then he leaves his cell phone at work and the janitor finds the cell phone and becomes famous. (laughs) And there are some other things coming. I've done some Star Trek stuff and I'm going to be doing more Star Trek stuff. So if anybody is interested in the live action stuff, keep your keep your eyes and ears open for that because i will be doing more of that
0: yeah i wanted to ask you about that actually uh, i believe what you're talking about is star trek new voyages which is a f- fan series about the original well, kirk crew
12: yeah yeah and i i'm not working with with star trek new voyages anymore i did a good bit of work with them i played a cameo in the first episode i did with them and then the next episode i actually played a main role and i directed the episode it's called katumba it's a very Klingon heavy episode and that cool. should be out hopefully the next several months that should be released and then the the following episode was a flashback episode where Kirk was still a young boy in the academy and I played Captain Kirk's father George Kirk but I'm I'm no longer working with with New Voyages however I am very excited to say that I'm I'm preparing to work on We're a friend a couple of friends of mine and I uh, have come together And we're going to be starting a new Star Trek series. It will be based on the original series, and I will be playing Captain Kirk in this series. (laughs) Well, that's pretty cool, man. So it is a childhood, lifelong dream of mine. We are going to be shooting our first episode this fall, probably very early next year. It will be on the interweb, so keep your eyes open for it. Oh, that's really, really cool. We'll be looking forward to
0: that. (laughs) Yeah. For real? Now, do you do you plan on summoning William Shatner, or or will you kind of look more to to the direction of Captain well, Kirk I, himself? I'm not
12: gonna. You know what? I'm not gonna mock William Shatner. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to do that kind of thing at all. You know, I'm not gonna. It's not gonna be kind of making fun of that. Right. But at the same time, he's Captain Kirk. This is true. You know, and and there is a demeanor and a personality and a character and an attitude to Captain Kirk that I think people who loved the original series wanna see. And to be quite honest with you, I don't really think it's been fully captured yet. There are different people out there that have that have done this and have played Captain Kirk and stuff. I mean, I have, I have a massive amount of, of acting experience and I don't think anybody loves the original series more than I do. I am very, very excited to get the opportunity. To bring whatever skills I have into playing playing Captain Kirk, and it's going to be so much fun.
0: Very cool. I can hear
12: the fire in your voice. So clearly, you're you're all over this. <laughs> oh, dude, you have no idea. I mean, in fact, I'll I'll tell you, let you in on a little something else. All right. There, there's a company called Anovos. They are a company that has been officially licensed to uh, produce official replicas, uniform replicas. Yeah they have the license from cbs to make official uh, authentic star trek uniforms i'm i've been consulting with them on making sure that the uniforms are spot-on accurate <laughs> and not only that but i'm going to be their model so on the web on their website when they release you know pictures of of their command tunic and some of their different uniforms i'll be in uniform as their model
0: oh, that is really cool It's really, really cool.
12: Yeah, I love me some Star Trek, boys. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. In fact, you know what, guys? This Thursday, I'm leaving for Phoenix Mm Comic-Con. And you know who else is a guest of honor there this weekend? Perhaps William Shatner? That's just a blind guess. Leonard Nimoy. Oh, my goodness. I asked the convention if I could introduce him. Ha, cool. (laughs) I mean, somebody, you know, right? Somebody's got to get up. Yeah. Get up. And, uh, and you know, inter- introduce him. That's Absolutely. awesome, man. That's, so, that's really, really cool. So, and and I may, Kirk. if I'm enough of a nerd, <laughs> I may actually do it in uniform.
4: Uh, do it. As well you should. I mean, you're going to be Kirk. You are and always shall be his friend. <laughs>
12: <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how quickly... I would get kicked out of the convention. <laughs> I said, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Leonard Nimoy. And he walked up there, and I and I shook his hand and said, I have been and always will be your friend.
4: <laughs> I now, don't know. He I might know start if... unleashing some Vulcan martial arts to keep you on he the could, stage dude, with he him.
12: Totally, he could totally go mind meld on me and, you know, like, suck my brain out. <laughs> But what a way to go, right? Oh, absolutely. Oh, and yeah, you real. become part of the Leonard DeMoy hive mind. I that's hear that's
4: a great Leonard place D.
12: to. Sucked my brain.
4: <laughs> I hear they've got a great timeshare out in the Caymans.
12: <laughs> well, listen, you guys, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Have yeah, a great man, night, Likewise.
4: Babe. My goodness gracious, that was an interview with Vic mignona in case you missed it as we were going into it
2: yeah yeah I was it up. was
4: still vic mignona yeah. the entire
3: time through
2: i mean that be... i got a quick question has anyone pronounced his last name correctly once in the nope show?
3: it's mignogna actually
2: mignogna. it's,
3: it's, uh, it's, M- it's we McDermid
0: discussed Durp-a-Derm. this actually, and yuri lowenthal as he also went in to say
9: yeah
0: <laughs> is <laughs> it like yes. mike mignola yes Closer. Well, that's the event. thing, that's what I say, and I was wrong. The artist... Mignona. Fr- Mignona. The, the creator Hellboy. There's... There's, there's... there's
3: this... Miniona. <laughs> <laughs> there's no L, that's the Oop. thing. No, there's no eh... no eh... L? <laughs> there's no L. You gotta Bye,
11: just Bye, Mignonia.
3: My Mignonia has a first name.
11: It's V I C C
3: C C My Mignon G has No M R Q Z Punch
11: keyboard.
4: Which is exactly what you're supposed to do when you don't know someone's last name. So to take a keys of for
11: God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Take us out of this madness. We have an even more madness with Theo Spice featuring Shoebox, a warm quartet, with the very wacky song Inner Voice.
4: It spells hobo and sex.
0: Shoebox does. You need a diagram. Ask
11: and hex. my voice. Email hex. My
0: hex hex at nerdyshow.com.
11: Email him nude pictures of your cat.
13: cash but to me paris hilton is poor white trash i think 47 weeks of vacation a year And people piss me off i can make them disappear every time i sneeze i get a feature on the news the reporter says cause hilarity ensues and how did i get to be the man that i am i got among men only without the tan it's simple every time i have to make a choice i just listen to my little inner voice and he says
14: shave all the hair off your butt and glue it to your nostrils okay steal all the milk from all the supermarkets and put it back in the cows all right find out which species of rodent is the most flammable. Okay. Let's see what fun crafts we can make using only a chainsaw and Regis Philbin.
13: Yeah! So how do I explain my little cranial expressions? Intuition, premonition, or demonic possession? It could be God, an angel, or my dental Paul, or that nasty purple fuzzy thing that lives in my wall. Doesn't matter, and to be honest, I don't wanna know, cause thanks to him I've never had to deal with an HMO, and I can go show off my rockin' powersolical bins. i tell you life is so much nicer with invisible friends. Record an all-banjo Falco tribute album. Done and done.
14: Put on a tutu, glue two live wiener dogs to your face, and prance around the subway terminal screaming, STOP LOOKING AT ME! Okay. There's no reason not to have sex with a cheese grater.
13: Huh. No, suppose not.
14: Set up a stand outside of Kmart with a plate full of frozen peas and a sign reading take one. If anyone asks you what the hell you're doing, give them a button that says I asked about the peas.
13: He's become my best friend, sticks with me to the end. Thanks to him, I'll never live on ramen noodles again. And he's always by my side, every minute, every hour, though it does get kind of creepy when I'm trying to take a shower. Still, I can't complain because he made me rich and figured out it was the possum milk that made me itch. If the it scenes we remember, the voice made me do it. I don't question what he says, I just get up and get to it. Itemize everything
14: in your cat's litter box for the next seven years and mail a report to the president with a note saying, here! Good idea. It's time to find out what urinal cakes taste like. If you say so. Get a black and white horizontally striped suit, a mask, and a bowling ball with a small length of rope hanging from it and tiptoe around the airport. Sounds like fun. How old does a baby need to be before it's too big to fit down the toilet?
13: I don't know. Let's find out.
14: Keep swallowing magnets until your farts can erase videotapes.
13: So to that guy in my head, I just want to say thanks But removing my angst, so I'm no longer shooting flanks And now I own simple banks, blade an inflatable watch And paint Justin Timberlake, to let me kick him in the crotch I followed his advice, and now I'm making major duck As if it wasn't for him, I still be processing big and So when life makes you feel like you should have stayed in bed Just listen to the voice in your head, and he'll say
14: Fat people are full of toys, go get some Yeah! Build a 20-foot-tall nude statue of Tony Goldmark Looking warm margarine off a of malnourished dolphin Out of onions, pears, and lint
13: With pleasure
14: If Yanni didn't want to be set on fire and shoved down a flight of stairs, surely he would have said so explicitly by now. Yeah, I guess so. Go to a McDonald's Playland, tie that big Officer Big Mac thing to the back of your car and drive away at 90 miles an hour. When a cop pulls you over, roll down the window and indignantly ask, What? You got it. Move to New Jersey and become a comedy rap artist. Uh, Do I
13: have to? Hello, Nerdy Show listeners. Guess what? You're
15: listening to the Nerdy Show. I just told you that. (laughs) You must be pretty smart. Well, you're listening to The Nerdy Show, so keep listening. Or not.
0: Back guys, what you just heard was Tank by Seatbelts. How else are we supposed to lead
8: into an interview with Mr. Steeplin?
4: A man who could who has voiced so many Marvel characters at this point that he could have his own show.
8: <laughs> sure. Or at least my own sound anyway. <laughs>
4: so how you doing, Steve?
8: I do snicked when I walk. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a medical condition it is kind of (laughs) (laughs) at least i heal fast oh
1: my god now i have to to ask is it pronounced bloom or blum i have to
8: know it is bloom you got to write the first okay Okay.
1: making sure that i wasn't a addicted he's like a delicate flower okay
8: (laughs) i guess i'm very sensitive i'm sure you can tell by work
1: (laughs) (laughs) i I have to ask are do you know david hater yes i do you guys are like pals
8: No, I've worked with him on a couple of projects, actually in the same room, and he he just has a really nice low rumble. That's pretty much all I know about him. He's he's a great guy. He's brilliant. So how much
1: much better would you rate your voice over his? (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm thinking you're like a 10 and he's like maybe an 8. I'm not sure.
8: (laughs) (laughs) I would say my my voice is probably 0.25% better.
1: I go, well, that's still better. So you're still better than him. Okay, thank you. But
8: only <laughs> only from Girly Screams. Okay.
0: okay. Which is important for the type of characters yes. you voice. Yes. <laughs> Steve, we appealed to our fan base, and we got a couple questions just for you.
9: Okay.
0: <laughs> Both Aaron E. Kemmel, a guy called Mephron, love your portrayal of Starscream in Transformers Prime. Nice. And, uh, but something we've been talking about uh, throughout this episode is is when you come into a role that's had another voice actor on it, and uh, and they wanted to know if you came into the character fresh, or if you studied Chris Latta's take of Starscream?
8: Well, fresh isn't necessarily the word I use. I would say ill-informed. is <laughs> <It's, laughs> the way I approach pretty much everything. I, I Of course, I know uh, Chris Latta's interpretation of it. And when I was much younger, I had that going around in my head more than Lee and Kenny in uh, the animated version and Charlie Adler in the films. So I've had kind of this mix of voices in my head for quite a while. But when they asked me to, to read for this thing, they wanted a completely different take. They said it was going to be a darker version, perhaps, and they wanted to have me start there and build on that. They wanted me to kind of be able to hit the highs and the craziness and cratchiness of Chris Lott if, if necessary. And so I tried to throw a little bit of that in there as an homage, but pretty much every character that I do, I'll I'll just do the voice that comes to my mind first.
9: It's yeah.
4: funny that you mentioned Charlie Adler because you guys were both in GI Joe Resolute, you voiced pretty much
14: every character.
8: <laughs> yeah, you did. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I didn't intend to do that. That's what happened. I killed everybody else in the cast. So <laughs>
0: that's exactly
4: what I expect from that Duke.
8: It's me and Charlie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well,
8: um, we're delicious though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> every now and then, I, I see voice actors credited with some really oddball parts, and I was scanning through your work on Wikipedia. And I noticed that Invisible Iron Man, you're credited with an uncredited part as a party guest. And I thought, well, that's that's weird. That's weird that Steve Bloom would be pulled on to a Marvel project as a as a party guest. And I was wondering, I mean, because you're you're a known name. How do roles like that happen? How do you end up as like incidental background characters? Do they call you in just for that one thing, or are you just in the office then, or?
8: Well, first of all, for that one, I think the only reason there is because I posted that and I don't think I could do with that project, oh. to the best of my recollection. Unless it was something I did when I was wandering the streets in a stupor or something. <laughs> <laughs> but, that but is a th- very th- common I a problem, answer. But I, I love doing bit parts, and especially the ones where I'm not credited. I think that's the most fun, <laughs> and it's kind of liberating. You know, I, when I was doing a uh, and the earlier day, they called me the cleaner. I was the guy who would come in and do all the parts that they couldn't cast. And uh, I didn't care. I just didn't care. I would, do, if there was, you know, one word or three lines. I just didn't care. I was really happy to do it. So I'm. I think I'm a little bit schizophrenic anyway. That's sort of a outlet for me. <laughs>
2: Mr. Bloom, this is the third time we've interviewed
8: you tonight. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember the first two at all. Well, it's well, cool you, you keep give us different answers, so <laughs> it, it's, it's marvelous. <laughs> I hope I was nice in those other ones.
4: Well, one of them, you were Yankee Doodle Dandy from. Well, you mean Yankee Doodle? So Doodle? The
8: little duck. The little duck.
4: <laughs> yeah. Yankee
8: Doodle doing Yankee Doodle Dandy.
4: Yes. <laughs> that would, yeah. that yeah. was an entertaining interview. I, so I think it would please the fans <laughs> if you could do that for them right now.
8: actually. <laughs> that great Joe tunes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, that uh, yucky doodle thing was actually something else i was wondering about like that's you're all these hardcore badasses and then you're the little little duck and harvey Birdman. <laughs> how, how uh, <laughs> uh did, did you audition for that i mean did, or do they know hey steve bloom's got this crazy duck voice that he keeps locked deep inside <laughs>
8: <laughs> no that that uh i auditioned for and that i was actually really excited to get because it was one of the few roles from my childhood that I actually got to recreate, and uh, that was that was pretty damn awesome. You yeah.
1: did you did a good job, man. <laughs> well, thank you. It was pretty effing awesome. Can we get a little taste of that for our fans? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh. Wow. Man,
9: how do
8: you do that to your throat? I don't know. I, I don't even, I'm not sure it comes out of the throat. I, I don't know.
1: <laughs> that, I mean, that brings me to a question, like, I I'm kind of enamored by your voice. I need to know, have you always had this voice? Did it suddenly hit with puberty or did you have to smoke and drink a lot in order to get it? Because I want that oh. voice.
8: Oh, the second I was birthed, it was like, yo, mama. <laughs> 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 I got
5: a little goo on my head with my wife and head
8: off. <laughs> um, I've had this voice Probably since I was about 13 or 14.
5: Damn it, so it was puberty. I'm
8: never going to hit puberty at this rate. We'll get to puberty one day. You can
1: hear by my voice. I haven't hit it yet, but I'm hoping that maybe by the time I'm 30. So.
8: <laughs> but you know what? There are guys like Yuri Lowenthal who work in that higher range. He works a lot. Yeah. In fact, most most guys with the higher range tend to work more, especially in the commercial arena. So if you want to make money, it's probably better to have that.
0: Hmm. Yeah, don't yeah, even don't worry think... about their testicles doing the rest of their business. <laughs> Cut them off, man. Get rid of that. I think I should... baggage. <laughs> I think I should get rid of them
1: before they decide to drop on me. I'll do that.
0: Okay.
8: I have somebody slam me in mine just before I'm doing higher pitched roles. <laughs>
9: <laughs>
1: I just do that for fun. Yeah,
8: yeah. It is fun.
0: Like, something that everyone, all of our fans, have asked us every time we announced that we were going to talk to a voice actor was how to break into the industry. Like what, um, how you got started personally, and then like what it would take these days.
8: Oh man. I I wouldn't know how to advise somebody on how to do it because I did it bass backwards. I came in, I I literally came in through the back door. I was, I was working in an entirely other industry and uh, I was trying to be a musician uh, and I was working a day job for a low budget film company as a driver and mailroom clerk and schlepper. One of my buddies was casting an anime on the weekend and asked me if I wanted to, try for it, and uh, he thought I might be suited for it. We were always doing stupid voices in the mailroom. I went in to do the voice of a creature ripping the limbs off of another creature, and I was able to do it to time code, And I think that was just basic, uh, based on my music training and a pretty good ear for the rhythm. I just did it for fun. They they booked me for 26 episodes on that show, and eventually I got a human role, and I learned. <laughs> a <laughs> I, le- I learned how to act on the job, and it's the hard way. Of doing it, I think I just expected to do it as a career. I just did it for fun, and uh, that's the best advice I would give anybody: is to just do it for fun, whether they're pursuing acting seriously or not. Uh, the voice world is very, very tough to get into, and I think the best way to really go about it is to sign up for some classes with a good teacher who's working in the field. Uh, actively working in the field.
0: Would and, you be a good uh, teacher? Brandon, he's not your dad. <laughs> uh, don't adopt him. I, he could be my new daddy.
8: <laughs> well, son, I suppose if you had the right kind of scotch, I would. I have all
1: kinds of scotch.
8: <laughs> I don't know. I, I I do sort of teach on the fly, I think. I, I'm i not a good guy with structure, so I, I don't think I would be a, a great role model for a, a class that you'd have to show up to on time and that sort of thing. <laughs> but at conventions, I always try to convey a little bit of you know whatever minor knowledge I may have accrued over the years and my website I have a a page about how to get into voice acting and people do contact me from time to time for coaching you know I'll answer a few questions and I'll help direct them and uh, try to keep them from you know hitting some of the pitfalls that are out there
1: it's it's weird how many uh, voice actors actually didn't mean to be voice actors and they sort of fell into it accidentally or someone just asked them out of nowhere
8: well, it's, it's kind of funny because it's voice acting used to be the ass end of the entertainment business, and, and none of the celebrities would be caught dead doing it, and and it really didn't pay very much. Sometimes it still doesn't, and a lot of on-camera actors fell into it because nothing else was happening, but the ones who actually had an ability for it realized they didn't have to get dressed and sit on the set for 14 hours and memorize lines, and it was a much better lifestyle, and the people, people are a lot friendlier in the voiceover community, too. Oh, we know. It's just... <laughs> yeah, it's a nice bunch, right? I mean, they're all very, very nice. Cool. We love you. Yeah, guys. Actors just, are a yeah. wonderful little community. Yeah, we are, and we look out for each other too. And in the on-camera community, my experience of that was that people would kill each other for jobs, even best friends. And yeah. voiceover community just isn't like that. On the whole, we you know we will refer each other if we're not right for a role, or or uh, suggest one another. Even if you know I am right for a role, I'll still suggest a couple other people so they have choices. So I'm, I'm always about getting the, the best voice for the project. And I think a lot of other people have that mindset.
0: Well, Steve, you're in one of the, the rare conditions where you're someone who does a lot of original animation work, also a lot of anime work and video game work. You're in all the major voice acting fields. Mm-hmm. Um, what's that experience been, been like for you? I know that Vic Bignona was, was talking about how, like, you know, anything where he actually got to like, not dub someone was like, you know, really treasured and you started out in anime, but you made the, the break. Uh, what was that like breaking into, I guess, more liberating
8: voice roles? I love it. I actually really love it. It was, it was very difficult and took many, many years to get into that circle. And it still takes, years sometimes. There there are still a few directors that I haven't been able to work for just because they have their little groups of people they can call on and they know and trust. So for me, getting into that area was a little bit intimidating at first. Different group of actors. It's a whole different group of directors and kind of a different animal as far as how the work is performed. And it really is done as a radio play. And there has to be some camaraderie at the cast. And I always sort of felt like the odd man out because I didn't go through the typical classic acting training And so a lot of references are being thrown around the room that I don't, you know, they go right over my head. I'm just a voice monkey. And to this this day, it's still kind of like that in some circles. It just depends on the cast, but yeah, I'm working. My first sessions was just an incredible experience. And and one of the very first things I did was around the time of Harvey Birdman and Powerpuff Girls. I think I was doing a few things for Cartoon Network back then, but I got to work on Scooby-Doo and that was just unbelievably awesome. And I'm, I'm not, enthralled with celebrities very often, but to be in the same room with Frank Welker and Casey Kasem working on that show, I was like a little eight-year-old fangirl. (laughs) (laughs) And And it's still really fun for me. It's still really exciting for me to work with my heroes, the guys who have really done a great job in the industry like that.
0: You mentioned radio plays. Have you done any work for like other things like books on tape, radio plays? Any like? Oh my
1: God! I would love if you had a book on tape.
0: Like budget. <laughs> I would love to hear
8: you. I, I did a few. I did a few little books on tape. I've done a yeah. couple of children's books and things like that, but nothing that you guys would have heard of. It was mainly for um, favors for friends, that kind of thing. I, I would it's love that, it. That again is a whole other industry in and of itself, and it's a whole group of people that cast and but that.
4: Now, you mentioned these children's books, and I wanted to bring something up. A lot of the characters you voice, while they might have a couple of mature tones, will be mostly, like, PG-13 or almost family-friendly. Recently, Mm -hmm. you were Grayson Hunt in Bulletstorm. What was it like (laughs) to cut loose to that level? That's right.
8: (laughs) See, every show that I do is pretty much that. They have to edit it out.
1: (laughs) I, I love the line, especially when you said "Dick Tits" in uh, Bulletstorm. So that was my favorite line. Yeah,
8: I got I, I that tattooed on me at some point. <laughs> <laughs> um, really yeah, line. that that was much fun, especially when I got to abuse the player into buying the game. That was really something new for me. That that's something I've always been doing, kind of that ends up on the cutting room floor. And it was so <laughs> nice to be able to see that see the light of day. Yeah, I think we had to stop playing the uh, Bulletstorm trailer in my video game store I work at because of you. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. awesome. <laughs> so were you able I'm to I'm sorry, but awesome. <laughs> <laughs> were you able to improv the majority of that role or um... they, these guys are sick. They actually wrote a lot of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember who came up with dick tits, if it was them or me, but but <laughs> we sure came up with a lot of stuff between us. There was a lot that was improv. They just had sections where there would be five or six lines and they'd say, Okay, say something really foul here. <laughs> and I said, "Okay, here it comes." <laughs> just gonna you know, open up the sewer and let it fly.
4: <laughs> Wallington and Pete them
8: are you. <laughs> yeah, that was them. Okay. <laughs> that was them. <laughs> now it's funny because some, usually the the foulest material comes out on the sweetest little kids shows. When <laughs> when we have, uh, especially the girls, are probably the worst. terror Strong and. Gray Delisle, you know, they have these sweet, beautiful, innocent faces, and they come up with the foulest crap on some of these sweet little kid shows. And between takes, thank God somebody's listening in the editing room, where, or mothers would be up in arms all over the world. <laughs> oh, There's just incredibly foul stuff that comes up in the room, and we just do that to make each other laugh, and that's what most of this Sessions become so it's amazing we get anything done at all. <laughs> I, wish,
1: uh, I wish there was just some sort of like DV, DVD or audio clip of just all the crap that's been edited out. Oh I, don't, I don't think
8: so. Though.
0: Yeah,
3: uh, there would be so
0: so much liability in that. <laughs> Bum- yeah. yeah. Wild. And
3: I think like <laughs> then they wouldn't be allowed to do that in the studio yeah. anymore. And so yeah. it just, well, they really would ruin it. They yeah. need that freedom. You guys need that. I'm sure you do. Because if was. I, yeah. if I had to be like bubblegum princess kissing rainbows all day, I would want to drop some fucking F-bombs all <laughs> over the place. You know, oh yeah.
8: Just <laughs> into, of more than rainbows. I can guarantee
0: that. Yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> the, there'll be something going on there.
0: will just, uh, how often do you actually, have the opportunity to, to improv lines?
8: It depends on the show. I mean, there are very few shows that we really get to do that a lot. Uh, some shows will actually welcome us to bring in a little bit, and it's usually more for flavor or something that, with a character that we're very familiar with. The shows that usually involve Wolverine, they'll let me throw in a little bit here and there because I've, I've been with a character for so long. Mm-hmm. And now with Starscream on Transformers, they're starting to let me play a little bit more too. Cool. But the, the show that we actually got to play the most, I think, was Superhero Squad. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a kid mean, kid's show and yeah. and, it, and there was some foul, unbelievable stuff in there. But Tom Kinney, who most of you know is SpongeBob SquarePants, is one of the most brilliant improv actors I've ever seen. And literally you can just give him an idea and he'll go off for twenty minutes. And they wrote sections of script around him. <laughs> <laughs> he's that good and he's that funny. And Travis Willingham, I mean I saw a side of him that was so nasty and foul that i i just couldn't believe it coming out of that sweet face <laughs> yeah, great. It's just, it's hilarious just hilarious great.
1: when you do your uh, voice acting or do you normally watch the shows that you're doing voice acting for or do you just kind of you do the lines and then like that's it or do you actually watch the shows
8: uh, you mean while we're working or after the fact? Like
1: the, just after fact. the fact. Like, Do you ever go back and just watch the series <laughs> and just see like yourself?
3: I'm so fucking
1: Well, awesome. I ask
8: that because sometimes we'll be working to animatics and that sort of thing. And, and for anime, we have to watch the, the uh, ah, action that's okay. going on in the screen to dub to it. But typically, I don't have time to watch most of my shows. I only saw Cowboy Bebop uh, like less than two years ago.
9: Whoa! Whoa. Wow, that's, that's like, like a major five, show 12 too. 12 years old
8: now. Know, Transformers I'm trying to keep up on just because I've been doing press junkets and stuff and I, I kind of want to know what's happening and <laughs> I'm fascinated with the animation on that too. It's just kind of cool. groundbreaking stuff.
3: Yeah, it's it's pretty fucking cool. I'm I'm, I'm watching that show and it's it's
8: awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's got a, a little bit of everything for everybody in there. I mean, it's It's got a lot of the, the people from G1 who were involved in creating this project and then it has people from the movies and everything in between and the hub is, is really intent on getting a quality... Product out there that's user friendly. Oh, for oh me man,
3: again. yeah. When can I see you on My Little Pony: Friendship Is Magic? <laughs> I'm, I'm, just, that I'm just saying. i still, still waiting for that call. Okay, because there's some back background bronies that you could totally, uh, <laughs> you know,
8: flesh out those characters. I'd love
4: to see your take on Doctor Who's. Doctor
8: Hoops. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Man, Hoops. any anything involving ponies and little girl? i won't even go there. Never mind. <laughs> Well, this
1: uh, this brings me to a question I've had for a while. You were Roger Smith on Big O, and... Have you watched that show before?
8: Because <laughs> yeah, I watched a few episodes of Big O, and I didn't understand what they. had. <laughs>
1: yeah, that, I was gonna say like they got they got a new guy for the second season to write the ending, and I have no idea what the fuck is going. Yeah, on. Yeah,
3: what happened at the end there? Are we tomatoes? <laughs> are we not tomatoes?
1: Like, Do you know what's going on? They, I don't know. What's are going they all on. robots?
8: Like, is yeah, it all I, a stage? I haven't no clue, dude. So I <laughs> <laughs> I God damn it! I, thought I didn't you know, know what it was person. when I was working on it. They they were trying to explain it to me, and they they had this big glorious vision of what this thing was, and I thought, all right, it looks pretty. And you know I'll do this voice, and I'm good. That that was because
3: I mean I I love the hell out of that show, but I I, I don't really know what happened. <laughs> nope, <laughs> nobody care. does. All I knew was that there was like you were Batman driving a Mecca, and you had a robot girlfriend, <laughs> and there were
1: lots of tomatoes. There's
3: tomatoes.
8: Lots of tomatoes.
1: Yes. Well, yeah. he's not even Roger right. knows.
8: No, nope. Well, you know as much as I know. That, that, <laughs> that's the extent that of my knowledge. It was fun. That show was really fun. Yeah.
4: You have one of the largest libraries of voices I've seen for a voice actor in a long time. And he's
8: seen some I have some seen libraries. some laundry lists. <laughs> or like
3: <library.
4: laughs> What kind of work do you do to like get into a character? What goes into your creation of a voice for a character?
8: Well, I think they're all in my head. Somewhere, so it's just I'm just looking for a release valve. Oh,
9: back much. to this again. <laughs> yeah, what's your
1: what's your ritual? What do you do right before you do a voice? Do you like do you, you smoke something up? Do you drink some whiskey or scotch? What do you do? <laughs>
8: <laughs> it depends.
1: Because I mean, everyone's like, no, we don't do anything, but I know you do something. It's like you
4: look at. Don't really, I,
8: honestly. I'll I'll look at the copy and I'll I'll do you know quick interpretation of the copy. And most of the things I'm doing are cold reads, even in the studio actually recording. If I'm lucky enough, they'll give me a picture of the character. <laughs> usually, usually they'll Give me a you know, one-line description of what they're looking for for the character, and I just kind of go with the thing that comes to mind.
0: <laughs> Steve, would you be into maybe doing some if we if we gave you some prompts, just seeing what kind of crap comes out of your head? Characters <laughs> oh God.
8: that could uh, be scary. Sure, why not? We Dude, like
0: doodle, scary. Yeah. Dude, all is yakky. All is Doodle. <laughs> <laughs> no, let, let's see. How about we'll start off with something a little bit a little bit in your range.
1: I just wanted to impersonate David Hayter doing metal. Gear. <laughs> I want him to do solid snake. That's all I want. We'll, we'll, we'll get there, Brandon. We'll
8: get there. I don't do impersonations. That's something I'm not very good at. No. All right. I know he's down here somewhere.
1: No, guys, look at that! You're, you're still better than David Hater doing the same character.
8: <laughs> oh. oh. you trying
1: to Hader.
0: start a rivalry? What's up with you? I just, David like, Hater listens to this. He will do solid it's, snake it's on your it's own. It's good press. <laughs> Is it? No, it's not. not right. <laughs> all right. All right. So say we, let's let's start let's start with a, a barbarian, a man from the mountains, a little bit. Russian, maybe about eight feet tall. Bad
8: English. Bad English. Okay. Um, <laughs> your foot in the piece. It hurts. Take out or I will eat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow, we could just have fun with this all night. Uh, how
0: often <laughs> have go you voice voiced? Go. <laughs> <laughs> how often
8: have you voiced female characters, if at all? Uh, I've done that a few times. It they usually end up as. Um, Something like this, <laughs> it ends up like a hobby thing kind of thing. <laughs> it, has be, it has to be a pretty ugly female. female.
0: <laughs> well, what would you say about a lady dragon, like a an anthropomorphic <laughs> dragon creature? Very, <laughs> very sensual, but with nothing really to show off. Wow. Yeah, because reptiles don't have tits, you know.
9: <laughs> Just yes, yes, under they the do. Sometimes people give
8: But she, this,
0: she, so she thinks
4: she is the sexiest woman in whatever room she's in. Well,
3: they don't have
8: milk glands. <laughs> <laughs> milk gland. Also <laughs> known as boobas. <laughs> and when I milked that iguana. When I milked that iguana, I was reaching for the wrong area.
9: Yeah. <laughs> yes,
8: sir. <laughs> yeah. It, yes, <laughs> that's really sad. I'm a little warped. For the, for so the, for the iguana was the dragon. dragon. Yeah. Dragon. Yeah. Uh. Wow. Very,
0: um, very, very sexy. But let from the dragon's <laughs> from the dragon's perspective. I'm not saying you would uh, find her sexy. Uh, I'm no not saying anybody right, would find her very her.
9: sensual. If you're dragon jerking off voice.
0: iguanas, you might just yeah. Okay, this might be right up your alley. <laughs>
8: <laughs> I don't suppose you're trying to milk me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You realize I have no teats.
9: <laughs> <laughs> oh! Male
8: um, oh. dragons can be a pretty big character, I'd imagine. So it'd be okay to have a deeper voice, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, that yeah. was perfect.
2: perfect. That was
9: amazing. Okay.
3: <laughs> what out of like this massive list here, which which mm. role stands out as being like the most fun, or one you would want to return or, to, or one you can even remember?
8: <laughs> 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 oh man, they're they're all like children to me i I, like the two you just did (laughs) yeah like those two those those two are not going on the list (laughs) (laughs) says you well i I can tell you what the what the big benchmark roles were for me and i I think definitely spike spiegel was was huge benchmark in my career and i didn't know it at the time (laughs) I, i really didn't think that i was a good enough actor to pull that off i was shocked that they were happy with my performances from the very beginning and especially once I saw how beautiful this thing was, is the animation was just insanely great. Two years and ago. Uh, but what I didn't realize was how big that was going to become. And it and so many of the things came from that. I just didn't expect it. And I didn't expect it to have this kind of longevity either. I mean, I'm still in conventions now where they're asking for a Cowboy Bebop appearance. I mean, that's specifically what I'm there for. There's a whole convention tour going on right now where they've got, I think, four of the main actors from Cowboy Bebop uh, attending their conventions. And it's one of their biggest selling but yeah, some of the other characters, like Wolverine, just because I was a comic book fan growing up. My first job was sorting comics in my grandfather's bookstore. And to be able to play a character that iconic was incredibly exciting for me and still is. It just never gets old. But those are the two probably most iconic characters. And then getting to do things like Yaki Doodle, or things that are typically not necessarily thought of as being in my wheelhouse, are really fun. Like I don't know if you guys have seen and Lagan. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But playing Leron was sort of a liberating kind of thing, because I had never gotten to do that before. <laughs> it, wow. it stepped in the context of, you know, backroom stuff that nobody will ever hear. So it was like, <laughs> that's what they wanted me to do with the character. And I got to say things like, when you screw it in, give it a hard manly twist. <laughs> it, was, wow. it was awesome. It's <laughs> <That's> pretty awesome. <laughs> Yeah, but each character that I do, I I invest myself pretty fully in every character that I'm doing, so usually my favorite is the character I'm doing that day.
0: We've got a couple more questions from our our fan base, uh, specific to you. Uh, One is, (laughs) do you really have the finest Dwarven craft in all of (laughs) Orzammar?
8: You better believe it. (laughs) Only problem is, I don't know what I did with it. I think it's covered in vomit over there. I'll I'll be right back. Oh, shit. (laughs) And he's a Foley artist, too. (laughs)
0: That is amazing. Amazing.
8: Next question.
0: (laughs) One of our fans named Midger was recommending that you voice Atomic Robo, who is Brian's comic book character. Brian, how do you feel about that? I know you saw this tweeted to you.
2: Uh, I think that'd be cool, but I don't think he's ever read my
8: comic book. Well, <laughs> maybe, I maybe, don't read any comic books these days, guys. It's That's for nerds, man. But I would. I'm going to look it up now. O- Atomic o- Robot,
0: it's called?
4: Atomic o- Robot.
0: Brian, give him the quick pitch. Give him something to work with. Something to stoke the fires in his
8: throat.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Indiana Jones and Ghostbusters and Rocketeer and Buckaroo Banzai crammed together into a robot, and then the robot wears pants and goes on science adventures. <laughs> That's right
1: up my alley. That's a pretty damn accurate description right there. We're and talking
2: with it. some Hollywood guys, so I'll keep your mind in name, or to keep your name in mind, <laughs> or your mind in name.
8: I'll, I'll do both.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be better for
1: Doctor Dinosaur. That's just my opinion.
8: Whatever you guys want. I'm a voice whore. I don't care. Just pay me <laughs> do Here's work. your scotch. Here you go. <laughs> we will work for scotch. I have a sign around my neck. Are <laughs> you, cool you cool with giving that a whirl, Steve? Well, I need lines from the author to do this accurately oh, you No, I can't up. write <laughs> <laughs> Pretend,
4: what? Brian You Pretend. create a
8: comic book, you're the author, dude Now I'm putting damn. you on the spot Give me a line, I'll do it for you <laughs> Something representative of your character Well, damn it, now I gotta find something <laughs> <laughs> Now you know how it feels on this side of the microphone, pal Feels <laughs> crappy <laughs> <A little laughs> <laughs> oh, good lord, Robo talks too much
3: How about let's do some science?
8: And he he said he's Indiana Jones, and what were the other things?
3: Rocketeer. Buckaroo Bones. Ghostbusters.
1: And a robot that wears pants.
8: Invented Uh by Nikola Tesla. So he could be a scientific sort, then. He's
1: like an action scientist.
8: Yeah, he uses a gun. He uses a
3: gun. He uses a gun and science. Yeah. And his fists. Okay. Okay.
8: (laughs) I got your solution. Let's do some fucking science. (laughs) (laughs)
9: Amazing! <laughs>
8: How's that? I, I vote yes. Dave, <laughs> do you have any uh, upcoming projects you'd like to plug? Man, I've, I've got so many things that I've been working on, and I, as far as I know, I'm not allowed to talk about any of them right now. So I, we're going to break a lot of stuff. I think some stuff broke at E3. I haven't heard what yet. <laughs> I can't talk about any of the games, and probably on most of the games that you guys were talking about in E3, and they just haven't announced me. On those games, so I'm not allowed to talk about that yet. And I have a lot of really cool shows that are recorded in the can and in editing right now, and uh, still not allowed to talk about them. Hopefully at Comic Con I can say a little bit more. And as things come up, I'll announce it on my website at at conventions live. And I will put posts. I guess they'll probably put it on IMDb before I get to it because. A lot of people there know my career better than I do. So.
1: so if I were to ask, like, if you were in the upcoming Skyrim game, blink once for yes and two twice for no, could you do that? I just did. Okay. There you go. There you have it.
9: There you have it.
4: Steve Blue at some point blinked. Well,
8: we don't know how many
4: times, so... sorry
8: that's all we can get. can
4: you blink into the microphone a
8: little bit louder (laughs) (laughs) you're blinking too softly believe me that's the direction I've gotten in the booth before
1: (laughs) I I do actually have one final question for you I was wondering do you ever have the urge to write your own show uh that's a no, uh,
8: right two, there. <laughs> I I actually kind of did write my own show with Lag on because I had two or three alternate lines that were so filthy they couldn't use it, <laughs> and I and I did that for literally every single line in the show. So in that sense, I probably could have written my own whole show. Damn. <laughs> okay. And I so I would I'd write English interpretations of Japanese shows. I used to be a main writer for Digimon back in the old days. So that I know how to do writing something from scratch. I don't know. I, I'd have to have. Wait, a lot
1: wait. You were one of the main writers for Digimon
8: for. Wait, like, which seasons? Like, Like season one? Season one, season two? (laughs) Season three and season four. I love season three. Season four was (laughs) my favorite one. It was. I got got to write a lot of my own lines for that. I mean, I don't talk
1: much about season four, but season three is awesome.
8: (laughs) (laughs) I agree. mine's one
1: of my favorites. Uh... Oh, man. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna jizz in my pants. <laughs> you, and
3: you you were uh you were black War graymon, right? Yes, he was. Yes, there was. Oh man, what a good man. Showing. That flower you uh, stepped
1: on fucked you up. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you started thinking all sorts prepare. of existential shit after that. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
8: yeah, I know. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on the show with us, Steve. Thank you guys for having me. It was really fun. It was It was a joy. For us yeah. as well. So taking us out of that fantastic, uncanny
4: interview with Steve Bloom is a song that features on one of the shows from his catalog, Chicks Fighting Robots, from the show Megas XLR, as performed by Ragtime Revolutionaries. Enjoy.
16: this. I'm just as so hungry as a mangy little cat can be. I know I haven't come around for a long, long time, but I was wondering if you had a bowl of cream. For me, I got a crazy kind of life in this neighborhood. I don't get love and affection like a house cat would. But if you dished up a fish with a twist of lime, maybe I could be your pussycat. From time to time, you see I rove around and got no domicile. Why don't you rub my little belly for a little while? The I wanna be. Your pussy cat. I spent a long, hard day looking through the trash, and now I'm wondering if you got a comfy spot to crash. So if you wanna give a hand to a cuddly beast, why don't you open up a can of that? Series. You know I tramp, our traips ain't got no place But just try and say no to this cute little face Tonight I want to be your poor sick cat Whoa, 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 it's just tonight So when I go don't you holler Don't want a tag or a collar I'm born to stray. Hey, 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 don't get me wrong. You're my favorite lady. But you don't want me, I'm shady. And trust me, I'll be back some other day. I gotta start a fight, I gotta scratch and bite, but don't you know it gets so lonely on a cold, cold night? You got a lush, plush lawn under green treetops, but what you got inside is making me lick my chops. It's not an easy life, staying out so late. Maybe someday I'll be ready to domesticate. But for tonight I wanna be. You know I wanna be. Tonight I want to be. You know I'm gonna be. Tonight I wanna be. You pussy cat.
3: Meow!
0: That's the end of our journey, guys. We've talked to a lot of voice actors. Stories have been shared. Yes. Blood has been shed. Yes. In Steve Bloom's throat. Yeah. Your have been had. And we uh, we managed to get Rob Paulson to do two of our D&D casts and Steve Bloom to do the other. Now, you may have been wondering why we didn't just say, hey, we got this thing. I just... I wanted it to be more dry, and I wanted it more random, you know, not with expectations. So, to Rob Paulson and Steve Bloom,
11: ha ha, fooled you.
0: But not really, we just thought it would be cool. Our characters from our podcast where we play Dungeons and Dragons, called Dungeons and Doritos, Rob Paulson did uh, the voice of Jennifer and Cher, Steve Bloom did the voice of Jamela Vmac.
1: And now you get sued for tricking them into doing voices.
0: No! Right? no! No, because we do the voices. But that's what I want to talk about here in this outro is, like, our voice work. Because, it, you know, it just started
2: off with us just role-playing, and it's kind of, you know, gone a little farther. hmm Well, what I think is really amazing is how close they got on every single voice with just, like, the slightest amount of, of information.
9: That's how the pros do it.
2: Exactly.
0: Well, Rob gave us, what, three different Jennifer voices? <laughs> He was unstoppable. He was unstoppable. Man, we just let him go. If you haven't heard them yet, wait till you hear all the bumps he did for Nerdy Show on 8 FM. Holy mm. crap. Oh my god. Yeah. Everybody gave us some seriously fucking good ones. One time I was asked about Galdap and where Galdap comes from. This is on the Minecraft server. And I was like, uh, I don't know, I'll bring it up in a future Colin episode. We, we haven't really gotten around to one of those yet. Yeah. I want, I want to do one again, but we haven't, we haven't gotten around to it, so... I thought I'd address that here. It actually pertains to one of the tracks we listened to earlier, a Doo Doodah Band. There's, In addition to Neil Innes, there's the, the other big star from that band is a guy named Vivian Stanchel, who's known as being one of the great oddball comedians from England. He He's done a lot of really prolific work, but it's nothing that I could name and you'd probably know. There's a movie called Yellowbeard. He wrote that. One of the things he did was a radio drama called Rawlinson End, and there's, there's a couple CDs and there's a track on a Bonzo Dog album that's got this. And it's it's it cinders around this old guy who's this, like, kind of former great white hunter, senior citizen. He's really, like, rough and rumbly and, like, senile and weird. And I did take a lot of
5: Galdap from him. Filth hounds of Hades.
16: Sir Henry Rawlinson surfaced from the blackness hot and fidgety. Fuss, <laughs> bother, and itch. Conscious mind coming up. Too fast with the bends through pack ice, throbbing seas, boom sounders, blow holes, harsh croak, blind pews tip tap talking for escape from his pressing skull. With a gaseous grunt, he rolled away from the needle cruel light acupuncturing his pickle onioned eyes, and with key bending will, slit peered at the cold trench Florrie had left on her side of the bed. Tongue, like yesterday's fried cod. Mind over batter? Tongue sandwiches? Uh, eat what? But it's been in somebody else's mouth. You'll eat it and like it. But why can't I have? Because I say so. God's
5: turban and tutu. Do I need a dare of the hog? And, you
0: know, Galdap came as kind of a necessity in the... uh the second episode, we realized that we were gonna do more of them. We needed to do a recap, and I we didn't. I don't remember doing any kind of decisions about that beforehand at
3: all. I mean, we just jumped into it. Yeah, like it was everything was just very visceral. Yeah, it really happened in the moment. There was not a lot of forethought. At least on <laughs> at least on
2: my part. Well, and then, I think the way it happened, like the whole reason we even did D and D is that we just showed up on the wrong day. <laughs> and there was some, like, yeah, let just play some fucking D and D. D just. I got Doritos. Right. Yeah. Just... In fact, that's why we called it Dungeons and Doritos. I think one of us had just bought some Doritos.
3: Yeah, it was no, it was literally on the table. It was literally we were gonna play Dungeons and Dragons, and we were like, well, we can't play Dungeons and Dragons without Doritos, so we bought Doritos, and then we were like, why not just call it Dungeons and Doritos? <laughs> I, I think it was you,
0: Brian. I think if I remember correctly, and you can go back and it's all—all all this is in the first episode. You can actually hear you say Dungeons and Doritos, and then and then Mike proclaims it.
3: <laughs> I say, done, Dungeons, yeah.
0: But Gallup's senility is, uh, comes from that and also a little bit of our, a friend of mine's dad who got in a terrible accident
9: and, and we
2: laugh at it and he
0: kind of he kind of drags his words on and I, I I realized retroactively that both of those things kind of created this voice <laughs> um, I, I did put some thought into it afterwards but like with with Jamella, I didn't know what I was gonna do with that character I had no idea I'd never role played before ever and I didn't know I, I just I said everybody had already picked their shit. I had no idea what I wanted to be. I didn't know what class I wanted to be. I'm like, I don't know. Uh, and everyone was like, I'm a kind of human-shaped this. You know, like a, a dwarf and a goliath and, and a tiefling. And they were like, yeah, there's different. But I was like, I don't know. What's really different? Mazra, I was like, oh, they got these dragon creatures. I'm like, yeah, that. And everybody was like a boy. And I was like, uh, all right, I'll play a girl. And then... <laughs> and then I just started fucking around with my voice. <laughs>
2: Jamella is my favorite voice in D and D. Yeah, it's <laughs> that's really good. Especially, really especially when she goes off on tangents about how much she is. The angrier she gets, the funnier it is.
3: And uh, and I love the running joke that Cap does the narration as well in character, but then he says, "I'm not saying this," but then we all pretend like he said it anyway. <laughs> okay,
0: well let's let's try this out. Okay, so Jamala is like stroking her side really centrally. She's she's like she's got this come hither finger and and she. Uh, She's rubbing her breastless chest. <laughs> and then she says, Oh, hello there, Jennifer. I wasn't expecting you. Does that make sense where it has me talking about no. it? Because no, it, yeah, so it feels fucking weird it, it, to me.
3: It is It is weird. It is weird. It is better the way you do it. I just love the fact that for some reason, only with you, we're all like, <laughs> why did you say all that? And you're like, I didn't say it! <laughs> That's
9: just not true!
2: I, I do prefer for Jamila's all of her action to be narrated through her own voice. I, it, I don't know what it is. I would hate it if, if the other characters were like that. But for oh. Jamila, it just works. It's like, it just... Epitomizes her love of her own self. Yeah, I don't think Chair has the mental capacity. For one thing, yeah, for one thing, he would never accomplish anything. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there just be 20 minutes of that noise and then him humping a, another chair.
3: Uh, uh. It's like, oh. in his mind, you just see the, the donkey asleep by the tree with the flies <laughs> around. <laughs> well, like, where, did, where did chair's voice come from? Because, I mean, it's not... Really, you can hear in the first episode, I mean, ignoring all the blows to the head when he gets switched into different characters. But, like, you can, you can kind of hear me feeling out what his, his voice is. He's a lot of that guy from um, Aliens. The uh, <laughs> what? Uh,
4: game over, man. Oh, fuck, get the fuck
0: out
3: of here. Like, that's kind of what I, uh, what? yeah, really? I was kind of I, like, I channeled that, but then I figured he was like more pubescent, like going through like kind of like this big change, and so I added more of a like puberty voice crack to it, and so it was just like, oh god, what's going on? Like, because really, it wasn't until they got into the fight that I found his voice and was able to, like, figure out, even his personality, like, because I knew he was going to be, like, discovering everything for the first time, but I wasn't really sure how that was going to play out in it. With his dick. Yeah, (laughs) a lot of it with his dick, and uh, he does love it. But I don't know if I've I've talked about, like, where Cher actually came from. Did I I ever get into that? Uh, no. Like... Do you want to? Well, no, no, I mean, like... I just remember, in, I was in the gifted program in, in uh, elementary school, and, and I was like in you know first grade, and there was the fifth graders, and the fifth graders were playing D&D, and I was just getting them to explain it to me. And they were explaining D&D to me, and they were telling me about this campaign where they were fighting this sorcerer who was turning everyone into furniture, and that just stuck with me. For some reason, <laughs> transformation into furniture and D&D has always been these two, like, connective tissues in my brain. Weird. And so... We're, weird. we're Yeah, we're setting up this <laughs> campaign, and I want to do something completely fucking out there. And I don't think... And I just assumed no one had that strain connected tissue that I had, so I just flipped it and said I was a chair turned into a dwarf. And, uh... Well, I remember you came to us with that, and you were like, really? It wasn't like, hey, I got this weird idea. It was like, I am this. And it, <laughs> so I was like, oh, uh... <laughs> All right. Yeah. It, <laughs> it just... It was there. It was in, in, the, in the back of my brain. And so... That's a lot of the voice is, is just being something for the first time. Yeah. And uh, what was the guy's name in Aliens? Was it Riggs or something? No. I know it was Bill Paxton. Yeah. yeah. Well, Brian, what about uh, what about you and
2: Jennifer? You seem pretty closely linked. Uh, what? No, uh, Jennifer came from a previous D&D campaign. I played a, a warlock in that. It was uh, World's Largest Dungeon, which uh, is like a third edition D&D thing. And it's just this total dungeon crawl. And it is incredibly punishing. It had, The whole shtick of this, of this uh, module, it's this huge, thick book and, with like hundreds of levels of maps and everything. It's supposed to use every single monster in the monster's manual, every single magic item, blah, blah, blah. Fuck me. I don't yeah, want it's crazy. that. It, it would take years to actually play, but you can't actually play it because you will just absolutely die. <laughs> it's just so incredibly punishing. There's traps everywhere. You constantly run into enemies that are far outnumber you and are far higher level than you. It's just madness and hell. So our group is going through this and it turned out that my character was the only one everyone else had gone through like three or four characters. Mine kept living because <laughs> much like Jennifer, he was the only guy who wasn't getting hit because he was always staying in the back <laughs> and just tossing out, you know, magic missiles or whatever the, the warlock version was. And so it was like and he slowly became more selfish. And just more self serving and more cowardly as the campaign went on, because he kept seeing all these people just getting mercilessly killed, <laughs> and he's just barely hanging on. So I want to like this. Yeah, exactly. What
3: was and this so, module called? Was it was it
2: Tomb of Horrors, or was it? No, it was World's Largest Dungeon.
3: World's Largest Dungeon.
1: <laughs> Literally called World's Largest Dungeon. Jesus. Yeah.
2: Okay. <laughs> and so when I came on with Jennifer, I was like, okay, I'm just going to do that, but as a devil character.
0: <laughs> and uh, since we didn't want to have this conversation without VMAC in the in the picture we brought Hex
11: on to talk a little bit about VMAC. The VMAC character, actually, that voice, I've had it for a long time. It's been the, the typical Russian voice that I kind of just go to when I want something loud and bombastic with a touch of foreign. So when when I was given a Goliath a shaman, and I just for some reason I, I retreated back to that, that character, the very bombastic, very friendly and loud character of VMAC. Like, he didn't really have a name but now I can't uh, attribute any other name to that character I've, I've used him before he's sometimes he's been a little more uh, drunk with the vodka <laughs> oh let me tell you long story of gulag and not good thing but it's um, <laughs> but but V-Mac himself he he started as just playing off that, that that stereotype that character I already had but has evolved into his own own voice too so yeah that's really where vmac came from for me it's a with my improv experience and, and whatnot I I have a kind of a repertoire of voices I like to jump to and guys okay
2: future plot future plot <laughs> <The> next brother you <laughs> back
3: v- I it. have missed you He gets that, that same <laughs> awful brain disease that chair has which, which I don't. I've, I'm debating whether or not that's ever going to come back. I guess it's still in there. It's not as necessary now. Yeah, I mean, we can always get away with the fact that Cher's brain was still forming, <laughs> yeah, but so it's still
11: very, it, very, very formative.
3: Yeah, it's it may have ripened at this point, but who knows? Who knows if the situation calls for it, it might it might
11: happen.
4: <laughs> if a Goliath clocks him across the head hard enough,
3: it's possible.
11: I, I, I see uh, much potential still in chair, so anything, yeah, anything yeah. is really a, uh, on the table. Yeah, <laughs> yuck, yuck, furniture, yuck. Ah, furniture <laughs> <architecture
0: thing>. humor. <laughs> Jonna, you actually did some voice acting pickups on our most recent episode,
9: mm-hmm. uh,
0: which was really, really cool.
9: Well, thank you.
0: Can we look forward to you doing more of that? Would you? Be oh interested? yeah,
9: if anything else, I'm gonna do. If I feel like I'm suitable for it, I kind of didn't feel like I was fit
8: for the role I did, but. I tried it anyway, and I enjoyed it. So, yeah, I'm definitely
3: up for that in the future. Cool. Cool, cool. Sweet. So, put her down for the poop demon. <laughs> i that. That
9: sounds good.
3: <laughs> Excellent. Give us a little poop demon right now. Um, I need a
9: little more than just
0: poop. Um, uh, it's 30 you know, story, that's pretty 30, much all
4: there is to a poop demon.
3: 30 stories tall, nothing <laughs> but fecal matter, okay? <laughs> it's just full <laughs> of poop. It, it's constantly pooping. It, it's uh, <laughs> it, it comes from a giant... Butthole volcano uh, but that I want, does ah, nothing.
0: <laughs> but I want you to have something to work with. This isn't all monster noises. It has fully developed vocal cords. Yeah, it's fully made of de- very
3: dense poop. Yeah. <laughs> and it smells terrible and it, it hates the smell of its own <laughs> self.
4: So it's a self clothing giant pile of shit? Yes. Uh, uh.
9: Hello, I am pooped in oh, oh, I cannot stand the smell. Oh, Perfect. Ah. Perfect. Perfect. I
3: kind of love
4: it. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, another member of the d d cast,
3: right there. One day, a wizard is going to it, definitely animate some poop. Now, this is a regular cast member. <laughs> this 30-story monster. maiden chair share best friends. No, chair. Chair's got a sensitive nostrils. <laughs> Not gonna. He's gonna say no.
0: <laughs> so uh, you know, Brian. Uh, Steve did a pretty decent robo voice. I would have to say a decent, dare I say, amazing robo voice. You know, he's he
2: is all right for a voice actor. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, he does okay.
4: Yeah. yeah. He might be going places. He's got potential.
2: I, I could see a lot of potential for that kid. Yeah.
0: You've got some robo-animations actually, like, coming down the line via some independent studios. Uh, we talked about them in the past. People just, uh, independent studios approached you to, to create some robo-based material. Do you know True. anything
2: about the voice work at this point? I know zero. So I'm right. what you call, uh, clueless.
0: Okay. So they weren't like, Brian, uh, this thing you do, it doesn't have any voices in it, like actual audible voices. What do these things sound like? What does a blue bubble with some jagged lines coming out of it sound like?
3: Uh, like robo? Uh... Well, it's like what does what does the Deadpool yellow text bubble sound like in comparison to the narration box, in in comparison to the Courier text. font journal box? Like, yeah.
1: <laughs> to me, I imagine Robo as sounding like the Pokédex in the Pokemon show. <laughs> Ew!
3: <laughs> really? I, I, and I fucking love Pokemon, but I think it, I think his voice, Robo's
2: voice, is a little bit more dignified than that. Like, hi, I'm Dexter.
3: <laughs>
2: well, the, the voice that I've been falling back to uh, Lately is Ron Livingston He's the main character from uh, Office Space okay. He's got a that. really tired delivery Really sarcastic but He's got some emotional depth And he's got some really good comedy chops so.
3: yeah, He was really good in Band of Brothers too Exactly Now speaking of the voice What kind of audio equipment does he have To actually project his voice And would his voice sound different, more different Like when he was first made as to when he is now, because I'm sure he upgraded some, upgrades himself and he isn't running on wax tubes anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, I don't I don't know exactly. I picture him having a bit more of an accent when he was younger, but kind of growing out of it. Gotcha. Uh, sound sound quality-wise, I imagine it sounds better, but there should always be that slight Mechanical. artificial quality to it, something like uh, a record, you know, where it's just not quite perfect.
0: Mm-hmm. Also, even no matter how, how good the fidelity gets, I would imagine we'd be in a sort of a A data data situation where you know one one isn't my name and one isn't my voice. After all those years, he probably true. Yeah,
2: he has a voice. He wants part of his identity. He'll which is another reason why Robo always looks like Robo. He could have at any point just changed any part of his appearance, but why would he? Because that's what he looks like. You know, you don't just carve off your face and then put on a new face just because you can.
0: (laughs) Well, as as the movie face off.
9: Uh, Face off. Let's
0: do some fan questions (laughs) for these four. There's some fan questions from our fans to the voice actors whom we've interviewed. Our fans actually had some questions about voice acting in general, and we asked all the guys that we interviewed, or at least most of them. So the ones that actually had answers for these questions, uh, we've stuck them together in little segments. So here we go. We're going to ask some questions now. Max Acree, who is actually in the video game industry, asks... When I was auditioning voice actors for the last game I worked on, every last one of them had hilarious special talents listed. It's kind of a way to stick out from the crowd. I saw things like archery, driving a stick shift. What interesting talent do you have on your resume? Vic Magnola. Ha <laughs> ha ha.
12: I know the answer to every Star Trek trivia question. <laughs> No, actually, I do a lot of different things. I do play the piano, and and in fact, we didn't talk about that at all, but I write (laughs) and produce music professionally. I have six different CDs on iTunes. A lot of fans have made some amazing AMVs and things to my songs and and sing them in school competitions and at their churches and in, in different talent shows and stuff. So I play the piano. -hmm. Uh, Play the piano and sing, so that would that would might be something that I would list. I do not have something listed, but if I were going to list something, it would either be that or that that there's not a trivia question about the original series of Star Trek that I couldn't answer. I don't know if that's as much of a special talent as it is some sort of a nerdy, you know, geeky neurosis. Sounds like a special talent to me.
4: Well, this is ner (laughs) this is nerdy show. This is the
0: place to air that kind of
12: dirty
4: laundry.
0: That's
1: true.
8: That's a qualifier. Steve oh. Bloom, vomiting on command.
1: Are you serious? Because that's pretty awesome. <laughs> no.
8: <laughs> well, I can make vomit sounds. That's funny. I'm really good at vomiting and and making bloody sounds. I guess that would probably be the best.
3: <laughs> <laughs> What's a bloody sound?
8: Yeah.
9: <laughs> <laughs> ah.
3: <laughs> gotcha. Like the throat is <laughs> been okay, it's slit. Going, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I gotcha so, now. You okay. Amon asks,
0: "What are some tips on breathing techniques and proper booth etiquette?"
8: First piece of advice I would give is to keep breathing. That's that's first. <laughs> breathing is underrated. <laughs> breathing, I would I would say just to if you see a big paragraph coming up, take a big breath beforehand. But you have to sort of anticipate that on the fly. Mm. And booth etiquette. I don't know. I don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. been the wrong guy. Ask Crispin Freeman. He's you know has much more class than I do. Mm. <laughs> Talking to blue collar bloom here. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Hey, you caught me on a good day. This is this version. The next version. The next time you call, I'll be something much more dignified.
12: <laughs> <laughs> Breathing techniques. That's a very interesting question. Well, I, I will say this, uh, Aman. Anybody who wants to get into voice acting, it would greatly benefit them to uh, to take voice lessons you know, learning to use your diaphragm and to breathe well and to control your voice is all a good thing. Those are, those are all helpful things when it comes to voice acting. As far as booth etiquette, it's important to realize where the, the mic level settings are. Like for instance, if you're doing a very quiet line, you're doing something very, very quiet. And then you look at the script and you know the next thing is going to be a yelling, screaming line. Look out! You know, you're yelling. Good etiquette is to say something to the engineer. Basically just say, hey, dude, this next line is going to be much louder. Because a lot of times the engineer won't realize that it's going to be louder. You know, you'll blow the the mic out. The performance will be all distorted. And you'll just have to yell a second time. you just have to do it again. (laughs) One bit of booth etiquette that that I would encourage people is just be aware of the sensitivity of the mic. Be aware, uh, you know, the distance that you should be from the mic so that you're not up on top of it and, you know, and making your P's pop and your B's, you know, buzz and, you know, and you're not too close to the mic. But then at the same time, be aware of the mic record level settings and help your engineer make sure that you're, you know that it's set up properly for the line you're about to do.
0: Kutsushita has a question with a little bit of a lead end to it. He says, "I'm sure we all imagine these voice actors taking their spot in a booth or studio and talking to a microphone, and that may be their normal day at the office. But you can't tell me that's all that ever happens. What's the strangest, craziest, oddest, and/or most difficult situation in which you've ever recorded?"
2: Anytime Mike is there, <laughs> yeah. and then Mike's is, "Anytime I'm there." Yeah. yeah, it's pretty normal till I walk in the room, and it gets. Okay. <laughs> like
3: everyone take off your pants <laughs> oh damn it
12: <laughs> well i will tell you something interesting that we did once and it it may not even be that strange but i thought it was kind of fun and interesting we recorded a commentary track for one of the full metal alchemist brotherhood D's, but mike mcfarland was in dallas and he wanted me on the commentary but i was in houston So literally what we did was he sent me the episode as a a quick time movie. I opened the episode at my studio in Houston and I opened it in Pro Tools and we counted down three, two, one, and they at Funimation hit the video at the same time that I did. I hit the video and record and then I had my phone. I was literally on the phone with Mike McFarland. (laughs) So I was literally holding my phone up to my ear and watching the video and sitting in front of a quality microphone recording my voice and doing this commentary with Mike. And what we did was then when we finished, I just literally spit out the audio file out of my Pro Tools system and emailed it to Mike and the engineer dropped it into their session and it lined up perfectly and it sounds just like Mike and I are sitting there together on perfectly perfect quality microphones doing a commentary and that nobody was that was the kind wiser. of strange and and weird and fun you know it was a lot of fun and nobody was the wiser <laughs> and nobody knew exactly
8: i was in what they call a whisper room which is about the size of a small refrigerator <laughs> with four other people and <laughs> doing walla doing background voices for an anime mm. and somebody's finger went up my butt <laughs> <laughs> on purpose and on purpose yeah and i okay. and i spit on the window in front of me i was the guy in front closest to the mic and i spit all over the window i <laughs> had to come clean that out so there it we were sweating and gross and I found out it was the director's girlfriend who had done it <laughs> Nice. That was pretty awkward. I uh, was uh,
9: not expecting was that
8: answer. Choice. That's my vote for <laughs> best answer for that <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You won. I mean,
1: nice. I mean, I don't know if it's true or not, because you probably really get at improv, but it sounds true enough. So no, actually,
8: that was. That is a true story. <laughs> oh, I don't remember if it was four or five people in the booth, but it was at least four of us. In and, it's, and it's built for one comfortably, two very tight. So. Wow. Was that her come on for a threesome? What was that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 she
4: was
1: trying to get you into those higher registers you were talking about. <laughs> aimed too far yeah,
8: yeah, yeah, that worked. That part of it worked. I mean,
1: you never <laughs> went up to her when you found out and was like, here's my number? <laughs> uh,
8: well, the director was one of my really good friends, and it, the whole situation was just beyond awkward. So. <laughs> He's
9: never spoken of it again.
0: Until <laughs> uh. Bert Elkon wants to know your thoughts on the YouTube phenomenon of abridged fan
12: dubs. Well, Bert, I think they're hilarious. For the most part, I think they're awesome. I completely support them. I mean, I, what I don't like to see are uh, abridged dubs that make fun of people, like that make fun of voice actors or make fun of, of anyone, really. Mm -hmm. But having said that, I think that that there are a lot of really, really funny abridged series out there. You know, I have a good, uh, I have a a sense of humor. I mean, I have no problem with people doing doing funny things like that at all.
0: B1 Brigade would like some tips on how to break into the industry.
8: Yeah. Actually, there's a whole page on my website if they want to go check that out. It's got a lot of good information. It's actually got a link to Yuri's book, and Yuri's book is very informative. Oh, Yuri
4: yeah, we talked to him about that. We're trying I to like convince that. him to do a book-on-tape version.
8: Uh-huh. Oh, that'd be
9: good.
0: <laughs> I mean, it seemed like it was up his alley. Did <laughs>
8: Get it? One would think. Yeah. Maybe.
0: Thanks so much for joining us, guys. And once again, to Ross Butler and Byron McIsaac, thank you so much for donating to this topic. Next topic up is dicks. We're going to be doing more topic-based donation drives in the future. We're donation funded. This is the only way that Nerdy Show can conceivably exist. We really thank you for your support. It's always, always, always amazing to see what you guys uh, give us to talk about, what you guys want to talk about, and all the stuff that you're doing, and all the support you give us. We couldn't be more grateful. Thanks so much for listening, guys. This has been a real blast. Thank you so much for the donation topic. Bye, I'm Cap. Draw Force Mark. I'm Jonah. And Brian. I'm Brandon. And I've been Tony. Taking us out is Find Place to Live by Halc. Later.
15: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Nerdy Show. Nerdy Show is brought <coughs> <to you> by... <coughs> Shut up. Stop <coughs> it. Nerdy Show is brought to you by a comic shop. Nerdy no, it's a... not. It is. And the Oviedo branch of play and trade That's not how you pronounce that. How do you, how do you pronounce it? play and trade idiot. That's how it's spelled. So just move on. Just. <sighs> if you have questions or comments, please feel free to send them to info at nerdyshow.com more episodes of- I have a question. Yes. Why you- are you so ugly? I am very beautiful and you are a son of a bitch. <laughs> For more episodes of Nerdy Show, Dungeons and Doritos, comics videos, and more, go to nerdyshow.com. You can subscribe to all Nerdy Show podcasts via the iTunes store. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Nerdy Show or friend us on Facebook. But do not friend Jennifer he is a ass. What do you have to say jerk. that? Jerk. You're a jerk. You're a jerk. No, you're the jerk. Hate you. You're the jerk. Oh, you're a stupid bit. If you enjoyed what you heard, support Nerdy Show by telling a friend, or better yet, give us your money! And all your shiny objects by visiting the Nerdy store and picking up a t shirt. Or donate directly for cool nerdy perks. You, sir. Bite me!